Our new partner who I'm really, really excited to announce we are working with. Super, super stoked. Thank you, Angie Huberman, for this connect. It's incredible. Uh, AG1 Athletic Greens. I've been using them for a while. I have them every morning on an empty stomach. Basically, take one scoop and you put it into a uh, cup or glass or mug of eight ounces of cold water. And this is all your greens for the day. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Every day I take this. It's so good for my digestion, my energy. It's simple. It's easy. I don't like taking a lot of vitamins. This has been really, really helpful for me. I've had a lot of stomach issues my whole life, and ever since I've been gluten-free and taking the AG1s, it's really helped me in my stomach in the mornings. I love it, and I'm so psyched that they're part of the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm sure a lot of people don't like eating greens, let alone drinking your greens, but I can tell you straight up, it's got a mild tropical taste, and the taste is actually really refreshing, and I really look forward to it each morning. Don't, don't think it's just going to be just straight bland. Um, it tastes really, really good, um, and it's good for you, so remember that. This one blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's incredible. Just one scoop, especially for musicians who are vegans or just musicians in general who want to get those daily greens. You can get the packets. It's incredible. I just gave some to my friend Derek from Sepultura. He traveled the whole entire world this summer, and he had, he had those every single day. He said it saved him. I bring AG1s with me when I travel. It helps me stay healthy. You know the deal. If you're on tour and you are uh, a picky eater, but you need to have your greens, sometimes catering doesn't have greens. Sometimes you miss the catering. Sometimes you miss the backstage food. Sometimes it's too late after the show to go get food that you like. So if you just have a, a scoop of uh, AG1s in your hotel room before you go to bed or you're in the hotel room at night and you're starving and you want something healthy, boom, life changer. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with some convenient daily nutrition. That's all you need. One scoop in a cup every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. This is it. I'm super psyched. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit drinkag1.com slash OLLC. That's drinkag1.com slash OLLC. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This is incredible. I love it. It's just basic greens. For me personally, this has changed my life tremendously. I'm not a junk food vegan. I don't eat a lot of fake meats, so I'm strictly, strictly greens. And this has been a wonderful, wonderful new addition to my life. So once again, visit drinkag1.com slash OLLC. That's drinkag1.com slash OLLC. Get one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. That's drinkag1.com slash OLLC. Yo, yo, Liquid Death, thank you so much for hydrating all my guests, taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water, love your brand, love what you stand for, love what you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. So if you go liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. And if you want to get water, Liquid Death water, go to amazon.com. But for merchandise and other things that's not water, go to liquiddeath.com slash Toby and get free shipping. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst, stay hydrated. You know H2O saves lives. Welcome to the One Life, One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morris. 
Today I got my brother, Mr. Derek Green, with me. Thank you, Derek, for being here. Hi. I'm going to miss you because after this podcast, you'll be gone for the summer. Yeah, I guess so. I'll be here towards like fall, okay. August. Well, I'll miss you and I'll, I'll watch you. I'll miss you. you too, man. I'll keep in touch with you. Right on, um, right on. And this, I've been excited for this podcast for a long time. We've been talking about yeah, having yeah. him on for a really, really long time. He's been super, super busy. Um, Mr. Elgin James, thank you so much for being here, man. What's up? Thanks for having me, you guys. Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah. Like your, your, journey, your journey is like so inspirational, your whole 360 on your life, everything. I don't know where to start with you, but like. Yeah, I think we should start with some math. I mean, 360 would mean that I just went in a full circle. So I guess right now I'm back. I'm in a gang. I'm going to. Okay, who, not who, whose face can I punch? So what do I say? We, we can st- not three sixty. What is? What should I say? What it's a one eighty. Fucking one eighty. I'm back into three sixty. Better though. A one eighty. What do you think you start there? I, I think so it should start notes. with uh, how do you guys know each other? That's mm. like the big question. Hardcore. You've been hardcore. So much. Yeah, hardcore, Positive. man. Hardcore. Maybe like wrecking crew. Hardcore. Know, Started with wreck. I think we first met with wrecking crew. Yeah. So you grew up in uh, New York. No, 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 no. Fuck Boston, New York, bro. Son, Boston. Whoa, yeah. whoa, Connecticut whoa. to Boston. <laughs> All right. No New York, man. So Boston. Boston, Connecticut kid. to Boston. So you yeah. guys Which met. we'll get to, but we met yeah, and probably you? when you're Wrecking Crew, maybe. Yeah, Wrecking Crew. Wrecking Crew. That's the thing, man. I'll tell you one thing about Toby. You've always been the same dude. Like in a good way. Like Thank I'll you, say man. that. Like you've always been this dude. Like some people weren't always comfortable in their own skin, and they've mm-hmm. tried on some other skins. If yeah, you will. yeah, yeah. No, it's people <laughs> yeah. do. Yeah, yeah but right. no, you're a dude. You always felt like you knew who you were since we first met. You know, you, seventy-six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> what what year would Wrecking Crew have been for you? Fuck, ninety, ninety-one, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Boston was such a intimidating place to play coming from New York. You know, yeah, I mean? as a band, yeah, yeah, going to the rat of... and playing the, the people with their arms crossed, like right. there was a real rivalry there. Yeah, from from the generations before and other generations, even just the sports, just everything about it, it was a very hard place to break and where people actually listen to your band. True, even with sports, I don't right. know if it was like yeah. that for Boston bands coming to New York. Was it? You think? I think so, man. It's like Boston. I think in New York in general, would just treat. Boston, how we treat where you're first from, Rhode Island. Yes. You know what I mean? You just like kick it down like the little brother. Like we hated New York so much, and I don't know that they knew we existed. But yeah. we, but a lot of us, the, I mean, the kids of this era, I mean, I moved to Boston when I was a teenager, but we inherited this rivalry, right? True. And we listened to these bands before us and the sort of fantasy that they created. And one was just embarrassing because allegedly to story, Boston went to New York and got beat up. Right. That never fucking happened in our generation. So already yeah. we have a fucking chip on our shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> and then what would happen is we're hating these New York guys, but then these older Boston guys hated us because we were living like, yeah, fucking, yeah, shade for battle. Fucking let's get back on the map. Like we were living that shit for real and we're doing crazy shit because we were kids from unsafe places that found safety together. Yeah. And uh, so there was this ultra violence because that's where we felt the safest. So then after a while, and they hated us because they thought we were too New York. I'm like, no, we are doing We are becoming everything you saying about. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> mm. And then as time goes on, it's like you meet the New York dudes and you're like, oh, we actually have more in common than I do with these other people. Even from some of us from the color of our skin to socioeconomically, mm-hmm. just in general, than we do with this like generation before us. So. Yeah. yeah, we bought we bought into we were fed this lie, and then we just you know what they dreamed about, and what they sang about. We just became the real thing. I love that. I feel like wow. New York had that that time too period where there was the the older cats, and then 
when H2O came out, Madball, Crown of Thorns, all these different bands started coming. We had our own like, our, our, our own like generation, our own little crew of people. True. And people thought that was crazy violent as well. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they were running yeah. Nazis out of Boston. Was being, they were running out of New York as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it was such a diverse multi-culture of punks and skins in New York City. That, mm-hmm. that shit wasn't tolerated. It's definitely a shift in the in the scene for sure in New York. I mean, I just when I moved there, and then the first people I met was like John, like mm. hanging out with him, and then uh, he introduced me to Sarah, who played bass in my band, and she's a little bit older than John, and she was like, "Yo, she's she's the shit. Like she's been around from the very beginning." <laughs> and with Sarah, she knew like you know she was. Born in New York yep. and, and grew up in Manhattan, was friends with like all those dudes, like Beastie Boys and stuff, and would hang out in that whole scene. But they were also just talk about the scene like back then, like just like how this new wave kind of came in from people from Queens and yeah, from Brooklyn yeah, yeah. coming to the scene. But then it got super violent. They're like mm, stepping out. The kids you know, from like graffiti, kids from all walks yeah. of life. It wasn't just hardcore. Too. Isn't that yeah. interesting? Same thing happened in Boston, right? It was really? the kids from Boston. Okay. And then even Wrecking Crew was that. Their kids actually from Boston. And then kids from Brockton started coming. And those would become all my brothers in FSU. Kids from South Boston started coming in. Mm-hmm. And the same thing famously happened out here, right? In LA, you had all the art scene, you had X and all those bands. And then the dudes from the beaches started coming in. Right. Ultra violent. Oh, yeah, that's right. Everything. That's true. Yeah. Suicidals. Yeah. Right. And I remember when we came out here, uh, I mean, God, in the early 90s or something. And met all those dudes, met the TSOL dudes and DI and all those guys, all those beach dudes. I'm like, these dudes are fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like, everyone hated you. Like, oh right. my God. Like, yeah, we don't surf, but everything else, we're just the same people, man. Yeah, they're, they're, they're still awesome. Yeah, I always looked at California from far away. Like, like what's so, like, this is New York. What's harder than this? Like, yeah. these guys have palm trees and stuff yeah, like that. Totally, yeah, totally. Venice was gnarly, man. It's yeah. pretty gnarly, yeah. Beowulf, all those different bands. Yep. And like, yeah, it's just seeing the different scenes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously doing a deep dive on you, knowing you for this many years and crossing paths, just your journey and like your beginnings and everything, just like growing up in Connecticut and like on yep. a farm. Yeah, yeah. And and being adopted and just your your family walking in with uh, Martin Luther King and mm-hmm. being involved in the Freedom Freedom Riders, right? Freedom yep. Riders. Yeah, yeah. Just your your journey itself. I mean, how many uh, siblings do you have? So I have a shit ton. Um, cause then later I would find like my biological family would find me. Whoa. Really? So I found like a whole bunch more that I didn't know. Well, how old were you when you got This adopted? was just a few years ago. Oh, uh, I was still, I was still a kid. Like I was, I was like uh, one or two or something. Oh, I, was wow. really okay. Yeah, okay. I was really young. Like I was just in a few places before I got adopted. My family found me. And this is in Connecticut. This was in New York originally. New York originally. Yeah. Don't so, tell my boss. Well, hang on a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Oh. So you're born in New York originally. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I know. That's why I'm a Yankees fan. Also, don't yes. tell you from Boston. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Dude, that shit. was Stop tough. It. Growing up in under fucking behind enemy lines, that's bro. That was serious. tough. I'm really from dude. New York. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, that's cool. I tried to keep that a secret. Fan. You've already like Barbara Walters, man. I'm mean, getting out my true <laughs> darkest secret. I'm going to start crying soon. <laughs> Dude, were you born in Queens or Manhattan? Do you remember? Uh, oh, this is embarrassing. I think Yonkers, bro. Wow. That's, right. that's yeah. where DMX Yonkers. is from. Yeah. Yonkers is ill. Yeah. We're talk about Yonkers. There. Not so much, no. People Max. sleep on Yonkers, man. Yeah. yeah. Jada Kiss uh, from there. There's a bunch of people from there, I swear. I'm, I'm surprised you know. Come on, I'm hip hop, bro. Okay. So, go ahead. <laughs> so, born in Yonkers. Yep. And then, uh, and there was like some Jersey time. Like I didn't move to Connecticut till I was like, I don't know, like a kid somewhere in there. And yeah. then, uh, you know, and then we moved to this small ass farm town, man. Like this really, really small town. And one living growing up on a farm is where I became why I'm still vegan. 
Yeah. Because the animals are all my friends. I was like the only brown. I'd like, uh, at a foster brother who's way older than me, uh, who is West Indian, and then a sister who is mixed like me. And, uh, but besides that, I was the only white kid, and they're like seven years older than me, right? My brother's like nine years older than me. So I'd get called, excuse the language, but I'd get called nigger and spick all the time. I go to school. I actually did not know what it meant. I'd go to school. And the older kids, I mean, like second or third, I don't know what, what time, but we know school would go up to sixth grade. And the older kids would just give me the sick burn and everyone would laugh. You know what I mean? Oh, don't play with it. Don't play with, you know, so-and-so. Don't play with this or don't let them touch this. And I'd be like, oh, man, that must, and everyone would laugh. I'm like, that must be a sick burn. So I came home once and my sister, my older sister, and uh, she had, I don't know if it was like sticks, like Grand Illusion or Candace Left Overture, some like 70s record <laughs> shit. Right? Sticks. Sticks is fire, bro. Okay. And I had taken it and I'm a fucking klutz. I'm a little kid and I scratched it listening to it, like stealing it from her room. So she was pissed. So she was screaming at me when I come in. And I was just like, oh, we're in it, huh? I'm going to use a sick burn. I'm like, you shut up, you stupid nigger. Whoa! Yeah, and I have two wow. sisters. I have a few sisters, but I have two sisters I grew up with, like two adopted sisters. One is black, like I said, and one is white. And I said it to my white sister. Damn. And my mom was there, and my mom slapped me. It was the first time, like you know, your mom spanks you, and it's right. funny because it doesn't really hurt. It's your mom, and you can't yeah. have a laugh. But that, like, she slapped me in the face, and then grabbed me because she was just so shocked. And she's like, wow. "Where did you hear that?" And I was like wait what why was it mean <laughs> like i thought wow. and so then i'm like oh fuck okay tomorrow at school is gonna be a different story <laughs> so right. i did grow up in that area and i think it became not to jump ahead but it just i didn't oh so then with animals is the same way so i was getting called that shit all the time in school and so my friends were the animal were the animals on the farm especially the pigs pigs is smart as shit yeah, they're smart as dogs and um, we had Biff, we had Bubba, had the fucking great pigs. We had Reggie and Catfish. Come on, Yankees in the house. Wow. We're our sheep. You're Reggie. Yeah, bro. That's my man. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love the Yankees. And, uh, <laughs> and so they were, they were my friends. You know what I mean? And then it was like, I don't know, it was seven-ish or something, somewhere around the same time. Um, the pigs all got rounded up uh, to go to get slaughtered. And that shit fucked me up. And I was just like, wait, what? And I'm like, fucking grownups are the devil. Mm -hmm. Like, grownups are fucking awful. And so that had this seismic shift on me. So I'm like, I'm not eating that anymore. You know what I mean? I'm not eating this shit anymore. And then as you get older, and then it was just like, oh, yeah, wait, hot hot dogs? (laughs) Bologna? That's this shit, too? And then you're like, marshmallows? Jello? What the fuck is wrong with you people? Everything you love as a kid, you get fed. Yeah. So it wasn't until I was like like 13 or somewhere around there when I finally nailed that shit down completely. But before that, and I'm jumping way ahead, I apologize. Um, But that's where punk rock came in. You know what I mean? As being a mixed kid, I was never white enough for anyone that was dark i was too late for anyone that knew it was black right that they yeah. try to find in our lives don't speak fucking spanish and i was too dark for anyone that was white so you get left fucking nowhere yeah you know and i couldn't i just felt like such a fucking alien all the time mm. and i couldn't laugh at the jokes that people made because uh. i've been the brunt of the fucking jokes I couldn't even eat the same shit that was on they were eating on their plate because I knew where it came from. You just feel like a fucking alien. And then that's where punk rock comes in. 
And then I'm a kid, 12, whatever it was, and the first time I heard, like, Black Flag Damaged. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not the only one with so much fucking chaos in my head. Yeah. And then after that, it was like uh, Zen Arcade by Husker Du. That was like, oh, shit, I'm not the only one that's in so much fucking pain. That's why I have Husker, that the symbol from Zen Arcade tattooed oh, on my hand. Shit. But, yeah, that's it. All around. Wow. That that That's like growing up on a farm, fucking hanging out with sheep and pigs, Bro. dreaming about concrete. Your dad, your dad, your dad was so Native cool. American, like Dominican? No, that was that was my biological father. Biological, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. We're just talking wow, about that, man. you know, just about how important it is for kids to grow up knowing animals at a young age. Yes. And, and this can be a way of, you know, kind of getting this idea of a plant-based lifestyle. If you yeah. grow up on a farm That's right. and yep. you know you have happens. friends that are animals, you know, and it, it's interesting that you said that, you know, like you were determined at a young age, like, well, you knew that, this was your friends, you know. Yeah, these animals yep. are your friends, and that's really I wish cool. so many kids had the opportunity yes, to be on a farm, absolutely, and just experience yeah, that for sure. We changed so much in this, in this world. I think. I think so. 100%. You know what I mean? To see where it comes from. No, it's, especially yeah. now because it's so especially then. now. Yeah, and when yeah. you're a kid, like I'm sure it's the same with you, becoming vegetarian, man. You're just like, like. First of all, just so weird then, but then you go to the health food store and it's just like bins of grain and nuts. You right. know what I mean? It's not we impossible. It was nothing, dude. It was no, it man. was it was dismal. It was dark. Falafels maybe. Yeah, beans, falafel. Rice. Was it? Falafel. falafel. That's all we had. Yeah. Yeah. So, I still can't eat falafel. I still can't. I really? do. Yeah, it's all I eat. They try you to feed me some falafel. I can't eat it. I can't oh, eat okay. it. Yeah. You go to my moons, whatever like the falafel was, and you see, oh my God, yeah, I can't eat it. <laughs> Too many years. So you're, but you, so you're going to school in Connecticut, obviously, right? Yep. Going to school. Yep. You're, not, you're not like homeschooled or nothing. And not going to school, getting to, uh, I think for a lot of us in the 80s, we used to be just talking about suicidal, mm-hmm. uh, institutionalized. It was like a documentary thing for a lot of us because they didn't know what to do with kids like us. Then. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just like, institutions juvie and all that so that's where i was that's where i was bouncing around at and i think yeah. a lot of the, like there was a punk was a little different then because it was just like it was hard you go to a show people were fucked up like yeah. we were all there for a reason which is beautiful because yeah. there's something sent us all there but we were we were fucked up there's nothing cool about it at that time no and and so you started getting in trouble like you got arrested your first time like 12 years old or yeah something? yep what was that for uh, selling drugs. My dad, my parents, uh, my dad really, uh, had a shit ton of weed. And so they'd have garbage bags of it. Garbage it bags. It was growing it on the farm? It was growing it on the farm. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, Talk uh, about that today too. Yeah. <laughs> weed. <laughs> and they, uh, uh, and my sister had it down. My sister would just like, would do, cause she was smarter than me anyway and they're older than me. So she'd just take, z- uh, Ziploc bags of it to school. <laughs> I tried to do some shit in some pills. There was a bunch of stuff in my house at the time and then I got caught. So that was the first time I got locked up for it and stuff. I went there and they tried to like scare you straight and everything. Oh, scared straight. Scared yeah. straight. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, I remember straight. that. You got caught selling or just carrying them at school? Uh, selling. Okay. Yeah. That was my first, uh, one of the first incidents with like with a police officer. Oh, wow. so you sold to a police or? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. We were like, yeah, we were, I was like, what are you like seventh grade or something like that? Yeah. Um, so oh. no, it was just, no, they, they found me at school selling and then they called the police. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. okay. Were, were your parents tripping out they weren't stoked yeah <laughs> yeah were they, they strict were, uh they were they were just they were they were just in trouble like meaning like my mom i remember just being like i'm a super mama's boy and my dad was just not a uh i mean now being older and being a father yeah and that fucks you up when you don't have a great dad i think percent yeah it's just like 100%. oh shit and you're just like part of you like oh i get it now then the other part of you but also fuck you 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I understand how difficult this is, but also fuck you, motherfucker, that you mm-hmm. can fucking do this. So there's a lot of, uh, there's like a violence. There's a lot of other stuff there. My, my mom would make up for that. Like my mom did everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, but she was in so much pain. I remember being a kid and being out playing in the backyard. And uh, I remember when we were kids, it was like, the, I guess it's the Russians again we're all scared of. But back then, you're all like right. out like playing war, shooting Russians and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> jumping out because there's a farm. I'm like jumping out of my tree house. I'm like, I'm going to go. And it was our house. But I'm like, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to make this Russian woman make me a peanut butter jelly sandwich or something. Some crazy <laughs> fantasy about my mom. And then I... I come on the back door and I walk in and then she's sitting there on this stool fucking sobbing hysterically. And I was just like, oh, the world is fucked. Because she was like my rock. Yeah. And then you remember being coming home from school and knocking on the door when she was home and uh, just because hearing her crying in there. So she was suffering with her own stuff. You know what I mean? Like she's an amazing woman. She's been gone for a long time now. Um, so the strict... Uh, I mean, they were, but it was just, I mean, it was all chaos. It was the 80s. It was chaos. Yeah. How old are you when you realized you are adopted? Oh, right away. I always okay. Oh, yeah. Right. Just, okay. Yeah, because they were both white. So, okay. like, I just, oh, yeah. yeah. So, it's yeah, pretty <laughs> obvious. <laughs> and once I knew what that sick burn at school was, I'm like, oh, I think this is all starting to make a little sense. <laughs> Fuck. So, you get in trouble, you get arrested for the first time, and then and then you end up in juvenile hall. like in Institutions, before, juvenile hall. 14. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and that's where, yeah, and that's where I, actually, that's where I became straight edge. It wasn't even music. It was like reading autobiography of Malcolm X. Right. Yes. yes. Yeah. And I was, because, yeah, because, yeah, because yeah. Your, your, yep. pa- your parents were pacifists and they, they were yep. uh, Martin Luther King and then you wanted the Yeah, they were freedom route. riders. Yep, yeah. Exactly, and then you're yeah. like, I'm checking out Malcolm. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, so Carmack. I'm like, this is my shit. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's an amazing um, book. Yeah. And the whole thing about that, about like, they want you, they want you to be fucked up. And it's true. Look at how many, think about, think about the friends that we've lost or the friends like, even they're still around, we basically have lost a lot of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. The drugs, even if they're still, their bodies are living, like they're just gone. And True. a lot of them were really fucking smart. A lot of them had just great fucking minds, yeah. a lot of fucking fire and energy. Oh, yeah. And so I believe that shit that he was writing about, like, oh, they want, they, that's why there's a fucking liquor store in every corner. Like, they want to silence your voice. So that that's really what did it for me. They open your mind about it. Yeah. yeah. Damn. So, or so, some people would say close my mind about yeah. it, but I prefer <laughs> open my mind about it. So that that inspired you to like not want to party and stuff like that. Totally, and, yeah. Totally, one hundred percent. I mean, that's why I'd still be alive. Cause I think, you know, I mean, you're you're a similar way. I mean, yeah. like if you had done, bro, you don't even drink coffee and look at who you are. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> like, imagine if you're doing, you'd be dude, you'd been dead decades ago, bro. You just have that energy. You have that thing. Mm-hmm. You want. You'd be fully in. You'd be fully committed and devoted to the dark side. Yeah, so you, so you never really, you were too young to really try anything even before that. Oh, I had before that. Like, I'd done okay. a shit ton of drugs. <laughs> really? Like, at, at I old? procured everything. I mean, my parents, I smoked pot thing for the first time. I was probably like fifth or sixth grade. Okay. Yeah, and then just continued on. I just loved it. I loved taking pills. I just loved everything because, again, it was to the fucking extreme. You know Damn. what I mean? Like, I'll do this. I get to do everything that I got my hands on. The dumb kid, they'll be like, oh, what's that? I remember, uh, God. Smoking with these older kids, it gave us angel dust. Oh, yeah, fuck. my friend Scott. That shit's crazy, man. And we were just like, having us just beat the shit out of each other. It was crazy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was down. Cocaine, everything. You tried all that. I shit. tried coke. Yeah, yeah. It was just really hard to p- procure. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? I was like a really rich drug at that point. Oh yeah. Yeah, but uh, um. So it's like you went sober like as a teenager almost when you became yeah. straight edge. Yeah, when I, exactly. <laughs> yeah, when everyone else is doing the opposite, I'm like, yo, I'm past that. I'm down. You wow. tried it out. Wow. Yeah. And just um, stayed that way. Ass and also, yeah, I've been, I've been straight edge ever since. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm straight edge now that I'm not even fucking, I think social media is, and don't get me fucking, it's like the new drug. Mm-hmm. 
Like, you know, I'm saying this to yeah. Damien. I'm like, dude, it should be like, don't drink, don't smoke, don't scroll. Like, that shit is like, <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, like, yeah. these motherfuckers went into a think tank, went into a room to try to figure out how to fucking hijack our minds to keep us activated and activate our brains and to activate that dopamine. And you do just fucking talked about this yeah, yesterday, yeah, dopamine. Yeah. Yeah. And we get addicted to it, man. Totally. It's not, and it's just like drugs. I'm like, oh, I'm better than you. I am better than you because I don't do drugs or drink or fucking, but you know what I mean? It's, I'm not, it's like, I can't do it because you get engaged. And think about all the times because they're stealing your time. That's the worst. They're stealing your fucking time. Those are hours and you don't come out joyful. Yeah. You don't yeah. come out afterwards. Even if something's interesting, you're going down and down like that. You never feel good after, man. And you lost hours that you're not with your son. You're not doing this. You're not doing a podcast. You're not fucking starting a fanzine. Yeah, this girl was on yesterday. She was talking about the pressures as being a woman on social media and having to like look her certain way and post a certain time and have uh, stuff she does to her. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like all the yeah, pressures. She's yeah. like doing drugs and that's like the new dopamine. We talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Completes that in her mind. You that's know, right. Doing that. It's like, How many oh, likes? How many true. views? Right. Do I look okay? Yeah. Does this girl look better than me? Like and, all that pressure. it's short-lived. You know, it's like. So short-lived. Yeah. You're so right, bro. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a crack hit. It's like yeah. so short lived. It's there, and then you need more, and it's never right. the same. And even another if you post, another thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And even I think for any of us, you get a little bit of it. It's not like we're immune to it. No. Oh no, no. You know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah, just like absolutely. oh, this, and it becomes. And to me, it's also. It's like why I don't watch. I love baseball. Baseball is my sport. I love the Yankees. I used to watch 162 <laughs> games a year. When I didn't couldn't afford it, I'd go into credit card debt to get the MLB package. Wow. I mean, wow. <laughs> take off and you know for the pitch clock, games are long, like three and a yeah. half hours. And then it was one time I was watching, and I'm like just thinking about it. And I'm just like these fucking. I'm watching these millionaires live their dreams. And I'm not doing anything about mine right now. This is like three and a half hours a day. I'm not fucking working. Even if you're trying to work, it's not really the same while you're watching, you know? And as much as I love baseball, I'm like, yo, so I fucking stopped. So I watch every now and then, you know what I mean? Wow. It's great now because MLB Network has like the replay. So it's like three mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but it's the same thing. It's like I need to stay focused on my fucking dream. Give up fucking everything. So I can't imagine if I had drugs or if I had alcohol or if I was on social media or if I was waiting this and we're, you're trying to curate They've stolen our individualism, right? Because mm-hmm. back for us, when we were kids, you had to, to express yourself because you didn't feel like this world you're around was like yours and you didn't fit in. So you had to find it and then you go to a show and sure. you know, I don't be part of this. I'm going to start a band. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start a fanzine. I'm going to show who the fuck I am. And here you're just carefully curating a life that's a lie thinking, oh, here I am. Here's my individualism. Mm-hmm. And you just made these fucking billionaires another fucking, you know, bunch of dollars. Damn. Yeah. It's a great way to think yeah. about it and break it down. It's very, very true. It's know? a fucking devil, bro. Yeah. And I, as much as like I'm stoked when people can sell stuff on Etsy, you know what yeah. I mean? I buy everything on Etsy, right. like all those good parts. <laughs> all the bad parts aren't worth it. So you have no, you're not really, I have no account. You're not really on no, there? No, no social media whatsoever. Wow. Yeah. I try not to get pictures on social media. It's like even like a dude after, uh, uh, after one of our actors and uh, went in and did like a video and I was just like, oh, bro, you can't post that like i don't want to just be i don't want to engage not you know it's like impossible to be completely sober because obviously in having a show you're going to come up on stuff i'm just like yo i don't want to engage with that also the world is full of fucking wolves the world is full of fucking and they're not all mean that sometimes just rude and clumsy and whatever but they're fucking are a lot just fucking mean the world is full of wolves so why would i stop to pet them why would I fucking open my throat to these fucking wolves? Fuck them, man. I got art to make. I'm not fucking paying attention to the rest Dude, of the I love that, man. Mm-hmm. Dude, that, and that's why you're fucking way right right now, too. Yeah. You're so focused on everything. Yeah. Um, when did that kick in? I'm sorry. Oh. Did I cut you off? 
Well, we, 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 I know, I know okay. when that kicked in. We'll get to that. But yeah, you're, it's a great question. But just to go back, what was like your first show? Uh, mental abuse. Sick. Yeah. And we went to, I was trying to figure it out. When I was talking to Damien, and then he was doing all this research about it and stuff, which is rad because that dude, you know, um, is just on it. He's like the brain he of is. punk rock and hardcore. He, he knows is. everything. Um, I only stumped on my Lost Generation. If anyone's listening to this podcast, lots of people listen to this podcast, but <laughs> you should all check out Lost Generation from Bridgeport, Connecticut. Fucking amazing band, amazing records. Um, oh, but it was mental abuse, and I found out you're living in a farm town, and the anthrax was at the Stamford Art Gallery at that yes. point. Right? It wasn't in Norwalk yet. And you'd hear about it, and there's this show called Adventure Jukebox that you'd get from WXCI. And this guy that would play all these songs. The dude had been, I think it was in No Milk on Tuesday. I don't remember that band. Okay. Or another Connecticut band that kind of just got lost at the time. And um, so he talked about all these shows that's happening to the Anthrax. And I'm 12. I'm like, how the fuck do you get to the, how do I, how am I going to get there? <laughs> and like, so there was a girl, uh, this girl Sue, who's sort of like, punk adjacent you know what i mean yeah and then my best friend scott who i would smoke smoked angel dust with and had to beat the shit out of each other <laughs> they also would call because he was native american and uh and uh, so we because it was a shitty racist town so we just called spick and span and we'll call spick and span all the time wow just crazy <laughs> yeah it's crazy the first part of it, like i said for it's kind of like a good burn you know what i mean it's like it's fucked up and terrible but so you gotta grow up being fucking called and so me and uh, um so we convinced sue to drive us to this show and uh First time I'd ever seen skinheads, you know what I mean? It was like crazy and the way that everyone's dancing. It was like, oh, it was awesome. And Scott, I think, went to a couple more shows. I know he went to Black Flag with me, a couple more. I don't think Sue ever went to another show. I think everyone else, you go into, you know, it's like when you go to your first show. It's like you're either home or this is the worst, uh, most terrifying yeah, place yeah, in the yeah. world, you know? Right. And so, me, I was home. back then. That's awesome. Yeah, I saw him twice. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. MDC too was one of the first. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I love. MDC. We love. We love them. We oh, sing yeah. them all the time. Like we fucking absolutely talk their time. praise. It was the lyrics yeah. all there, dude. We're not supposed to say all the time, but everyone, all these fucking normal ass fucking normal people, these basic ass bitch people, caught up with us. <laughs> Right. You know what I mean? Like I bought fucking the Millions of Dead uh, fucking cops record in 1982, whatever it was. Yeah. And everything, trans rights, police brutality. Yeah. Like, Cobra Death right Burger. Everything. Yeah. Everything. Everything's yeah. right on there. Yeah. I remember yeah. getting the uh, the Millions of Dead chicken seven inch and I'm like, oh, that's what I am. Oh, these people think the same way as me. That's why yeah. I look crass and conflict and all those bands too. So what was terrible Crazy. is then when I was, I was a teenager and I was a skinhead. And at this point, you know, he'd gotten rid of any photographic evidence. He'd never been a punk. Because remember that time was just like fucking mid 80s. All of a sudden, like, I was never punk rock. What are you talking about? That wasn't me you've seen for the last four years. <laughs> Got rid of all pictures of my fucking shitty Afro Mohawk. And, um, but then they came around and we're waiting for them to play that song Skinhead, like S is for Stupid and all that, K is yeah. for KKK. Yeah. And then had to beat up my favorite band. It was awful. No. Yeah. Way. It was terrible. It was awful. At the ah, time, yeah. It was just yeah. like, yeah, it's terrible. It's like when we beat up the meat man. It was like the same way of like, I have all your records. Boom. Wow. <laughs> was Brian Bacon the meat man at that time? I don't think he was there on that. I don't, okay. think, I don't think he was there. Yeah, I don't think he was with him then. Okay. Yeah. Damn. I remember Tesco. Tesco hung in a uh, hid in a bathroom. Yeah. Wow. He's written about it. Yeah, it was crazy. He's Nancy Peralta. Yeah, he's written about That's it. Yeah. Pretty. And it wasn't about them. They just did this. We just went there so. to destroy this place and to kill everyone inside it. Oh they were God. playing. I'm like, this is gonna be the perfect soundtrack. <laughs> and then Tesco threw a water bottle at my boy Jamie when he was in the middle of something. And then I'm like, oh. looks like we're going on stage. Oh my wow. god! How old are you then? Uh, t- too old. Okay. No, that was uh, that was that was like, I was twenty three. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, this is in Boston. Dang. Um, 
But you end up going to college, right? Uh, what's it called? Antioch? College? Antioch. Yeah. yeah you, you left. The, you left that the, was like, um, that was my thing. Juvenile to go there. Yeah. I was like, yo, I'm going to be like a success story. You know what I mean? I'm going to yeah. go. I'm like this. There's a Southern Poverty Law Center. And this guy, Morris Dees, who started it. And his, I think his grandfather, someone had been in the Klan. And then he started the Southern Poverty Law Center where they bankrupted the Klan. They went after all these things. And it was really fucking smart. And I always wanted to work with them. That's amazing. Yeah. And uh, dude is my hero. And then I went, and then when I came back, some old shit came up from my other life. They're like, "Yeah, not so fast." Uh, and I got jumped, and that's when I got like the the left hemisphere brain damage. And yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. In the yeah. first in the first semester, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I came back. I'm like, bat, right? I, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm an artist now. I'm like, I'm, I'm a scholar. And uh, I was like, Ah, no, you're not. You're that. You're gonna study pre law, right? Yeah, that was my that was my plan, just to work with the Southern Poverty Law Center. Yeah, oh, that was like man. my dream. And then I got way derailed. Did you did you graduate high school? Yeah, graduated okay. high school. Yeah, yeah I, was, good, I graduated early. Good grades yeah. too. No, fuck no, no, <laughs> no, no. I hated school. School's miserable. It's gonna be weird. I don't know what you did with Matt. Were you good in school? No, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Billy made it out of that shit. I hated same, it, man. Same, dude. I have a report card, and it's literally all D's and F's, like literally. Same. And wow. then I'd only there's a writing class, and this woman, Mrs. Neary. Sorry for this detour. It's okay. But Mrs. Neary. She knew it was fucked up at my house. My house was a really dangerous place to be. So she would let me come into her class and write whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. So I would just write and write and write. And she'd give me an A all the time. The one time she gave me an A minus, I think it was, is because I probably read like Rollins Journal. I read something that she could tell was not in my voice. And she just wrote, this doesn't sound like you. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, shit. And so then I went off my path, all the other stuff. And then it was uh, a few years ago, I found out that she'd had stage four cancer. And I never thanked her. She never knew. So I got to go to see her. I went oh, back to oh see her. Yeah, it was amazing. Like, Yo, you awesome. are the one person who saw me. It was like, oh, you and my mom. Man. And so when I went through it's all beautiful. my shit, she'd given me this little tool. If she hadn't, if she had just been like everyone else and been like, oh, we know bad stuff's happening there. We're just going to look the other way. If she hadn't given me that safe space, I wouldn't have be able to be a writer right now. It's That's literally incredible. that generosity. I owe everything to Mrs. Neary. Wow, man. Yeah. That's beautiful. You got to see her too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you were writing back then. You were like oh, yeah. focused. I have like, journals since I was 13. Yeah, okay. still, Did you have any yeah. goals when you graduated? Just Southern Poverty Law Center. That's it. That was it. Yeah. And that's why I went to Antioch. One is the only place I could really, that would give. I got into a few schools randomly. Because you know why? I went to this program for uh, um, gifted kids or like uh, art kids at Wesleyan University. That's where my sister went to school, Middletown. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Middletown. Yeah. 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 It's funny because I've been uh, I've been in a juvie there and I've been in like uh, like an institution there. And then I went to Wesleyan there wow. later for that summer program. Yeah. That's incredible. Is that crazy? Yeah. yeah. And this woman who was on cold case actually went there. Catherine Morris. I haven't seen in all these years. <laughs> and I have this picture she's on, on the show with Danny Pino, who's on our show. So I have this picture of her because she dated my friend John. <laughs> you met John Bozak before. He was in New York and stuff like yeah. that. You know, the, yeah. And uh, but he was so mad that they took a picture of us and like I kissed her in it that he ripped me out of it. <laughs> so <gasps> it's just her with his photo when she's like sixteen and I was like fifteen. It's awesome. So one day I'm gonna show it to her. Holy but shit. yeah, so I went there and that's what really, and I, you know, got me in there was Mrs. Neary. Mrs. Neary oh, is the one who showed me these letters to go to the school. Like there might, might not be a lot to see on paper for this kid, yeah. but there's a lot here. I went to that program and then that's what helped me get into uh, these other schools and Antioch was where we got uh, all the money so we didn't have to pay much. So, But then after that, like you, you going through physical therapy and all that, then somehow you, were you living on the campus before that happened? Before that, like you hit with the baseball bat, were you living on campus? Yeah, I was there. It was like, like Yellow Springs, Ohio. After that, yeah, 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 
Yeah, I tried to go back, and then that didn't go well. Like, I literally, I mean, if anyone suffered, like, a brain trauma, and you don't even, the thing is, you don't even know. Like, I'd be there, and I'd be, like, with my mom, and uh, and they, my parents were going through their own stuff, so they were about to leave. My dad had some legal stuff, and um, so they were split in town, and I'd be like, hey, where's Jocko? And she'd start to cry, because I literally just asked her, like, three and a half minutes before, but your mind, your brain was just like a colander, you know what I mean? I had trouble speaking, um... Yeah, it was it was rough. So I went back and then I'd like would wake up for class and then I'd sit on the edge of my bed and then I'd be like, Oh shit, it's like four and a half hours later. I'm still sitting here. Oh man. Yeah, so me and this girl Jenny Black uh ended Ohio is the best place to be homeless. It was rad. That's where he's from. <laughs> is it really? Where are you from in Ohio? Cleveland. Oh yeah. yeah. Probably Cleveland. not Cleveland. Cleveland Columbus is a great place to be homeless. <laughs> Cleveland, not so much. <laughs> yeah. When you're in Columbus on in High Columbus, Street and yeah. like college girls are feeding yeah, you and like having to sleep in their dorm Ohio rooms. State, it's like yeah. one of the biggest in the country. Yeah, yeah. how do you end up Buckeyes, getting Buckeyes, bro. Buckeyes, babe. That's where Antioch was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we just split and then we're just like, we'd like, yeah, I was right. See, and then we was going to shows there. We'd sell like those friendship bracelets, you know, those things like that for a dollar in the thing. She'd make them, we'd sell them. Um, I remember selling the bunch. The Newport? Was that? Yeah. Yeah, 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 fuck yeah, yeah bro. Yeah. yeah, I saw the circle jerks there and we ended up. Um, selling i was like yo it was, i think it was greg hetson or something like that i'm like hey bro like i love your band you guys are playing tonight and uh, i need some money we buy some of these so i bought like ten dollars worth nice and so we went in and then being from the east coast i start punching and kicking everyone and i got thrown out within like three and a half minutes <laughs> i'm like this isn't how you guys dance what's wrong with everybody <laughs> oh shit the best part is years later i was at, i gotta meet this because i don't know that dude still to this day but i was at to jump way ahead i move here i'm trying to change shit around trying to become an artist right? yeah. living in la and uh i don't have a job i don't have any money uh, i work at safari sam's remember safari yeah, sam's yeah, yeah, brand new, yeah. yeah so i worked for safari sam's cause my manager my band mark worked there got me a job i was like my first or second time there and i got in three fights in one night just oh like just God. i'm just like oh <laughs> this is not why i moved out here but in one of them this dude's just so fucking stupid whatever this thing happened I won't glorify it. It was awesome, but I won't glorify it. Um, <laughs> but after Greg Hetson comes up to me, he's like, bro, what was that? Like, you fucked that dude up. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, well, I guess punk. We just must know each other. But I think he thought I was Joey Castillo. Oh, I did yeah. see yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you shit. came in, I was like, yo, this looks like Joey's yeah. brother or that cousin. Totally. I hear yeah. so much. I've never met, met him. He's never met him. Yeah, he's, that's what I hear. He's incredible. So I mean, dope. he's a legend. He's, yeah. And he plays, yeah, and he plays with JJ. And JJ's all the time. I was like, you guys are lost brothers. Yeah. But at the time, Holy I'm shit. like, yeah, yeah it's funny. Too. I put it together later. I'm like, oh, that dude thought I was someone completely else. It's probably like, what's wrong with you? Why are you so mentally imbalanced today? Like why you? What happened to Joey's? Wow. Joey's a badass too, though. Joey's a badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Dude's Damn. a fucking legend. There's no, yeah. there's no better drummer I think in He's the so world. Good. He's so fucking. Yeah. So That's um, awesome, that guy. fuck. Yeah, we were there. We're in the East Coast. We were just like everywhere. We're in New Haven. We're just like, we're everywhere. And we just think. I mean, that's the thing about it. you go to a city, as a punk rocker, or as a skinhead, as a hardcore kid, find out where everyone hangs. Go there and then what up, bro? What up? Yo, Max is making an appearance. <laughs> Max is skinhead, dude. Yeah. I feel like just yesterday you were like five years old playing the drums downstairs, and now look at you. You're like a fucking crazy, stud. Right, Max. Crazy American history. Yeah, he's waking awesome. up. What do you call American history X? <laughs> American history X in the house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so good to see you, man. 
Good morning. Look like um, a fucking Navy SEAL, bro. Dang, look at this dude. <laughs> Fuck. Don't blow his head up anymore. He stole your youth, dude. Yeah, he yeah, stole yeah. you. You used to look like that. Nah, no, he drained my whole life. I'm deflated. He surfs every day. This is a Cali kid, man. Oh, it's awesome. Um, so then somehow you end up in Boston, pretty much. Yeah. So then we, yeah, that was part. We just go to Boston. Yeah, and then uh, you spent a lot of time in Boston before that. Maybe going to shows and stuff. Yeah, we'd go up there all the time, and we'd yeah. go. Um, and he just radio. I was in, you know, I was part of the Force Reality crew. I was in Force Reality for like three practices and half a show. I was like terrible. <laughs> I was like the worst bass player. But Pete Morrissey's been one of my best friends since I was thirteen. Yeah, and um, I won't be forever. Uh, but then, so Choke put out the record on his label. Oh. Wow. And then, so we had that like, going, going to hang out in the pit and seeing all those kids and knowing that the eye for an eye kids and eye all that happening eye, there. Yes. Yeah. So that was Boston to seem. There's like New York. It's like same thing with the teams. If you're from Connecticut, you're either a Yankees fan or a Red Sox fan. Rhode Island's very similar. So I either end up in New York, you end up in Boston. And so we were just had more at what we thought Boston was at that time. Then we moved there. A bunch of kids from Connecticut, from other places, from New Hampshire. Again, start hanging out with kids from Brockton, from Southie. Uh, my best friend Bruce that I moved there with was from Maine. And we're like, oh, yeah, like we just we already talked about. We're going to live this record. We're going to live these lyrics. And then these same dudes and like the dudes in Wrecking Crew were so, the worst thing they ever did was let me in the band. Wow. They were so fucking bummed. I'm like, no, this is it. You guys have a legend. We're giving you what people think of Boston now. They think of from what we did in the fucking 90s. And this idea of, I mean, even Al, who I love from SSD. And he, I mean, he takes no responsibility for us. But that dude was like our fucking North Star. Right. And it's funny, we're friends with Nancy, his wife, who's so awesome. They're both so awesome. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he won. Like, we were like, yeah, this is it. The fucking, we're the kids having their motherfucking say. <laughs> <laughs> what year is that? Like, when's that really? 90. Yeah. 90, you think around 91. Sort of really. And, and yeah. Force Reality is like one of the first bands you're in? Yeah, Force Reality. I was in a band called Dead End when I was 12. Like, I was always in bands, uh, uh, Scott, either Span or Spake, whichever one. We never knew, were clear who was which was which, my boy. <laughs> but uh, we started a band. We were 12 years old um, after buying like plastic surgery disasters or something. Oh, you yeah. know. And there's a song Dead End on it. So, we, you know, uh, but yeah, I was always in bands. Band Skeletal Ambitions with a lot of these in Force Reality. Force Reality for literally like 30 seconds. And uh, yeah, and that was it. And then. Uh, so and you're then, in Boston, you're working? Like, what are you doing? You just hang, going to shows? Nah, man, music? we're squatting and we're just like, yeah. Wow. Yeah, we're squatting. Dean, you know, Dean. Yeah. Dean Bothell, he, we, he and I played in band uh, The Law uh, back in uh, Boston, Skinhead Band. I'm sorry, back in uh, Connecticut, Skinhead Band. And um, yeah, no, we're just fucking hanging. My dog, my pit bull, Sierra, like, just like loving life, man. You know, because yeah. it was different then. It was like, even when I got Sierra, we played in Skeletal Ambitions, me and the Force Reality guys, and we got a show to play with DRI. Nice. Fucking amazing! It was in Lawrence, Kansas. So you just got in a van. At the we outhouse. Drove, oh, at the outhouse, man. Oh yeah, it's a dude, great. Fucking oh, it's venue. a great place, dude. It's the greatest place in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Just running. Through, I remember just running through the corn. My greatest memories of my life is running through the cornfields with my new dog. They got this black skinhead dude for fifteen dollars. Sierra just running through the cornfields like the happiest fucking moment of my life. I love the outhouse. The kids in Lawrence were the best. Yeah, there's great shows there, man. Yeah, I forgot great the promoter's name. He, there's he, Jeff. Do you know yeah, Jeff? Yeah, he'd be stage yeah. diving the crowd. Yeah, yeah, guy, yeah. Yeah, he was from Connecticut. He was part of our crew. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he had so he dreads for years. Yeah, he later put us on a tour with Marilyn Manson. Me and what? Dean were. Because he became a big booking agent. Yeah, yeah huge yeah, booking yeah. agent. Yeah, Jeff was the best. Jeff Forty. Yeah, he was like, yeah, he's a kid we grew up with. I knew him forever. So he was just like, he want to play DRI? Sure, we'll drive 50 hours or whatever it was <laughs> to get out there. I don't know. Oh I'm bad God. at math. Um, and then later when we were Big Block, me and Dean, I think Ralph well, was with us. Big Block, yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, 
uh, an owl from American Nightmare. Uh, he's like, hey, you want to play Marilyn Manson? So like, yeah, we drove the fuck out there and played a bunch of shows with Marilyn Manson. Holy, how was that? <laughs> That was weird. Like we did much weirder, darker shit than them. That was a weird part. Like, yeah, we like, yeah. Eric Curry, we were talking about earlier, my boy, um, ended up like, yeah, ended up in jail. We made all the money for merch. We had to like get him out. Just crazy, dark, weird, fun shit happened. It was awesome. Wow. Like we made Marilyn Manson look lame. (laughs) And also very problematic because that dude is. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, man. So when, when does like, Shit get real. I mean, it's getting crazy now. I mean, but when does FSU, like, when does that start? That had started. They'd started before we were there. Yeah. And uh, the kids from Brockton. Kind of like DMS in New York. Same shit. It was started yeah. a long time ago. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. And uh, and Bruce and I had moved there, and there's just this big brawl at the channel. You'd always go to the channel. And, we uh, a bunch, yeah. Yeah, we just saw these kids were coming back, and we just, mo- we just moved there. We saw these some people driving I guess they'd been Nazis we didn't know who it was like, sorry people walking a uh, group of kids and then these like sedans these big like olds like old you know like old 40 or Delta 44 whatever those fucking cars are a bunch of them just stopped and a bunch of like really well fed like kids in shorts you know we're like still boots and braces like these like this look like hockey fans got out and beat the shit out of these fucking dudes and I'm like alright and I would say thank you fucking Nazi I'm like oh, alright cool we get it now and then um, and then now those are all the FSU kids they're like you guys are awesome hey you guys are awesome and then that became yeah, that became marriage wow yeah that was it that was the first time so, you know we'd seen maybe a couple of shows we didn't know really what it was and because we were doing crazy shit in you know New Haven and Connecticut at that time like because yeah. we Connecticut we were so weird I remember moving to Boston we'd go to the pit we'd go up and we'd hang out with like Choke and them and mm-hmm. stuff and uh, and going there I'd be like where are all the black people Mm. Everyone was fucking white because yeah. Boston is so segregated because we is. weren't in Dorchester, we weren't in Mattapan, and New Haven. Urban in New Haven is just like mostly. There's a little castle of Yale in the middle, but beyond that is like fucking mostly fucking Puerto Rican and black and Dominican, et cetera, et cetera, and really fucking poor. And then going, I'm like Cambridge is so clean and neat and stuff. So, <laughs> so anyway, that was it. So we uh, that was our first introduction to them, and then we just became just. Yeah, whatever it is, <laughs> whatever, whatever <laughs> happened after that, whatever your, whatever your, whatever your point of view on that is, is that's where it came out of. Just dudes are like, "Hey, you're awesome. You're awesome. Let's fuck shit up." It's purging the Nazis out and shit. Yeah, yeah. That shit was crazy, man. Was, was there a lot of Nazis there at that time? There really out? was, man. And yeah. there was also there was a lot of fence walking. There was a lot of Nazis because mm-hmm. you always have to keep your fucking foot on that stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it pops Especially up so at quickly. That time. That's, that was happening all around the country. I yeah, think, in certain scenes. Yep, for sure. And they're running different Florida, scenes too. Yeah. Detroit, dude. Fucking shit. Allentown, Pennsylvania. Ooh, Allentown was so notorious. Yeah, we were. There. I was there with Maddie. Man, we played with AF when Matt was in with uh, with the one voice thing. It was like wrecking crew, right. and then well, that was that was that was a straight dude. Fucking riot. I was there with Sickman All Biohazard. Same thing. Uh, uh, it was crazy. There's so many of them, dude. I remember <laughs> we were, yeah, it was like Life of Agony. I think it was one of their actually first shows. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, Wrecking Crew, Sheer Terror, Agnostic Front, Roger. It was the same night. It was a fucking terrible night. It was the same night that his squat had burnt down, right? He'd only gotten out, which I didn't realize he'd gotten arrested on his way to see Brooke Smith. Did All that, like that. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Shout out to Brooke Smith. You, got, you met yeah. her the other day. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, Monty the other day. She's the best, bro. Damn, um, he was on the way to meet her. He wow. was on his way to meet her. She had a pool party. I didn't know that. And I was like, so she was at that, uh, uh, the benefit and everything we had at the at the, um, at the Anthrax and all yeah. that. I'm like, weird. We've been in the same room. All. Wow. But so Roger was meeting us there uh, and we were upstairs and there had been a, uh, 
It was in, if remember, if it was in, I think it was like, was it airport music hall or something? Yep. And it was in a strip mall. Yep. And we were all like, I don't know, it was like, we're late teens, early 20s at the oldest. And there was a strip club there. And so if you went through the attic, because you're upstairs for the backstage for the airport music hall, and you could see through this little crack over the top of the strip club. So a bunch of dudes had been on tour and were like the little rascals. You'd all be on these planks and you'd be walking to try to look through this hole. And then someone would tap you like Vinny Stigma would tap you on the on your shoulder. You'd have to get back and get the back of the line. <laughs> and uh, um, this is literally just being little boys. And then the earth, the fucking floor kept kind of moving and bands were starting to play. Yeah. And someone ran up. They're like, you need to get the fuck out here. You need to get out here. And so we run out and we're standing on, there's like stairs that look over this whole thing. And there's like four to 500 kids without any exaggeration. They're all sig heiling at once. Whoa. And scary, it, man. Yeah, Wild it was scary, there, bro. And it was me. Little kids too with the, yeah. the necklaces on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these like beautiful, airing looking young girls like with swastika flags rocking back and forth. And it does this thing, especially being a person of color. And it's me and someone with life and I, we're the only people of color at that fucking time in this whole place. And... It's almost like your bow, like you just some of your stomach just drops, and because right. it was so beautiful but so terrible, it was like my nightmare. I had nightmares when I was a little boy of the clan coming to get me. Mm. At all the time, because I'd see these things, I'd hear the stories from my parents and being attacked by the Ku Klux Klan. So that was my biggest nightmare when I was a kid, and here I am, twenty whatever I was, twenty one, in this fucking moment with this. But I was, but I'm, tw- I'm not seven years old. I'm 21. So I'm like, let's fucking do this. So we run back to where the attic was. We're all grabbing like two by fours, pipes, anything we can get. We go down when Life of Agony was on stage. And they saw me, bro. And it was like, ever see uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Yeah. When they'd see someone, they'd just screech. That's what it was like. They lost their fucking minds. Oh, Holy shit. They're screaming, fuck New York, fuck New York. And I'm yep. like, yeah, that's right. I get it. Yeah, I'm back. Yeah. But then, <laughs> <laughs> white power, not down with. But then I was like the one dude there. And I think it was someone said, like, someone in uh, Life and Agony's cousin or something like that, like a little kid. Um, only people call it in the whole place. So shit just got fucking crazy. They're rocking. Security's not doing shit, as you know. And they're rocking that barricade and rocking that oh, barricade. Yeah. And Kev One shows up, right? Those dudes are on the run. And we had beef. Kev One and I had fucking beef because we hated when the new guys would come down to Anthrax and be like, yo, you, you don't know what time it is, kid, all that shit. So we brawl with them, right? So Kevin wow. and I beef. And then all of a sudden that dude's there and we're fucking brothers on the fucking front line just swinging, swinging wow. everything we can to beat these people up. It was fucking crazy. Holy Allentown, shit. Pennsylvania. But the funny part is we walked up beforehand. We'd heard all the stories and been warned about Allentown. Mm-hmm. And we roll up, you know, we get out of the van and there's some fat Nazi out there. Some kid, not the body shame, this fucking loser from Allentown, Pennsylvania. There's like a fat dude with like really wide market Mindy suspenders, red suspenders. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, we're good. This is a Nazis. I'm like, yeah, we're okay. <laughs> Let's try to sneak oh, a look shit. into a strip club. And then later I'm like, oh, fuck. I was so wrong. I heard when our burn played there, Chalk just pulled his dick out the That's whole time. Awesome. And then when Killing Time, they were saying, like, fuck Jew York. Oh, shit. And also, I don't know if you remember, but I remember seeing mad white power people there and gigantic black bouncers like you're a size and they ain't doing shit to nothing, them. Yeah, nothing. They're, yeah. not, they're not sick hiling them yeah, yeah, yeah. they're this fucking shit, with the white people this shit would happen in right? Detroit too like oh, they yeah, grow yeah. into this neighborhood yeah, that's right. where you would get shot if you're walking around and they would jump back in their cars like as soon as the show was over like terrified driving Fuck. home I was like this is some fucking bullshit yeah, you know bro. and there was big ass black yeah. bouncers they're just standing there and they're just like 
kind of like avoided them. But I was like, these motherfucking pussies. Plus, bro, you know, was, Detroit, Baltimore, yeah. fucking Cal, all those things. Chicago, the same thing. Like, oh, because you have to chose in those fucking fucked right. up areas. Yes. They'd come in, say all that stuff. They're getting their cars as soon as they could get so, out. So, so, <laughs> back on the interstate. But these dudes have like shotguns in their pickup oh, trucks. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they're, they're, it's a very different scene. But they, but I'll tell you what, that area cleaned their shit up because we went back there a couple years later with Big Block and they had that shit on lock. And mm. we were playing, I think we were playing Bio hazard and like halfway in the set everybody ran out everybody in the show ran out because there was a rumor that there was a nazi there and it was one kid in a car and you had 30 kids around this car ready to pull this dude out wow and i'm like well and where everyone's just like obviously you know right uh, they're evident now they're like yo let him go let him go blah 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 you know, we made a demo tape once that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love fucking with Evan about that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but they, flipped, said, yeah. they, they handled they, they handled right. they handled their shit like on another level. Right. Yeah. Uh, Richie Cipriano from Sigvaral was documenting the uh, New Titans on the tour, and that was where Sigvaral. Yeah. Sacred right, Napalm down, Sigvaral, and we'd film all the lines and give out like we stand alone stickers, right? And that day. When we hand them out, people was doing. People would start sick hollering in line at the at us filming. We're like, "Yo!" And then oh, we went inside. Shit. Yo, there's some crazy shit out here. Like we felt, we knew it was gonna happen. You know what I mean? Fuck. Little kids with like the little cross and shit. Yeah, yeah. It was like a fucking movie, man. It's crazy. It's like shit you never expect to see. I, I, I was shocked like seeing that shit like an AF show, and I was like, oh, "Why yeah, are these motherfuckers?" Yeah. And then Roger's like, "Yo, Roger's not even white, bro. Yeah, 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 he was yeah. like, "Yo, he's yeah. like from fucking Cuba." Yeah, and it's just like these dudes out there. Freddie was there. He's like a little kid, like yep. on stage singing, and it was like, "Fuck this shit, dude!" Um, it's so fucking like, crazy. Well, what's fucked up is this now how mainstream that shit is. That seems like a weird fever dream because then yeah. I was talking about it once in my writer's room because they were going off. I was like, you know, what's fucked up about it is those kids back then, like, fuck all that shit, but probably had more in common with, you know what I mean? Than mm -hmm. a lot of people now, which is sad. Like, mm -hmm. it's just, oh, socioeconomically, all these other things. And you, I mean, you're a skinhead in the early 80s and to the mid 80s. There is that big shift that happened in like 88, right? When everyone became Nazis. So the people you've been brother with, your friends, mm. all of a sudden your heroes became Nazis, but it became the harder thing to because they were just angrier. Mm. Or I don't know what it was. Yeah. So that was also really weird of just like we, we were end up bashing people that were our fucking brothers and friends. Now it's on a whole other weird fucking psyops, like other shit. Like now it's just fucking gross and dark. Like now, now there's no way, now you can't beat these people back into out of a show. Yeah, you, you know can. what I mean? Now it's like in your fucking YouTube. Ah, There's yeah, no yeah, around, right, you know? right. No, it's yeah, true. Yeah. I want to talk about some of the things you guys did. Even, it just, it's just interesting things I really didn't know about until I did Deep Dive. Like, well, I knew about the robbing drug dealers and giving mm -hmm. percentage of the money to charities. Yep. Which I thought was really fucking pretty cool, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Taking the money, putting that. And then also like arms for hostages. Yeah. Where you would like trade they, guns. Yeah, they stole stuff. my dogs here. I was talking about earlier. Wow. Yeah. Back up in Kansas. They... Well, some idiot that we were living with uh, left the door open and then she came home and she was gone. Okay. So that's like anyone, anyone who has an, lucky enough to have an animal in their life, like yeah. that's your child. That's yeah. your family. That's like someone took fucking handsome buff Max next yeah. to me right now. You guys don't see this visual. <laughs> this dude's just like shirtless, flexing, <laughs> hanging out through this whole thing. It's very shirtless. distracting. Put <laughs> <laughs> a shirt on, man. <laughs> But uh, um, but yeah, With so the people they, fighting and all yeah, that shit. Yeah, yeah, so we couldn't, we couldn't, and I couldn't find her. So it was days walking around, and we had a shit ton of guns then, shit ton of guns, and we couldn't find her. And I'm walking around this neighborhood, uh, armed and loaded, 
and trying to find her. We put up flyers everywhere, and everyone's like, and we're in the hood, and everyone's like, oh, we got your dog. Yeah, come meet us. Like $400. We got your dog. Come meet us. Like, bring your $400. And uh, we're like, yeah, nah, nah, nah. And then finally <laughs> someone called, and uh, and they sound really just kind of anxious and stuff. And they're like, yeah, we got your dog. I'm like, yeah, well, explain to like, where's like the white spot, right? And she had like a white spot on her head and like on her paws and stuff. I'm like, all right, maybe this is real. Like, you got that $400? I'm like, yeah, I got the $400. All right, we'll show up in this park. We didn't have $400. We had like $150. And um, (laughs) pulled all of our money together. And it was me and uh, my boy Bruce. And I can tell the story because it's been so many years. Uh, But we roll up, middle of the fucking summer. I'm like fucking... Uh, limping because I have a gun. I don't have an ankle holster. I just have a gun in my fucking sock. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Trying to walk, <laughs> trying to keep it in my fucking jeans. And Bruce has a sawed-off Mossberg that he has with this trench coat he's wearing, sweating fucking bullets. So we show up and it's these dudes, these street dudes, and they're just like, "Yo, you know, yo, you got a fucking gun? Like, no, nah, we don't got a gun. You got a fucking gun? Like, we don't got a gun." And Bruce pulls a hole, like throws, uh, holds his one arm tight against his body and opens up the other coat because his gun's on the other side. Like, open up the other side. He's like, "All right, fuck you. I got a gun." I'm like, "I got a gun. <laughs> Where's my dog?" Just screaming at each other in Holy fucking shit. four o'clock in the afternoon on the spark. And uh, I'm like, yo, bring me my fucking dog. Bring me my dog. And so they send somebody off, maybe like a football stadium away. And uh, they open up the trunk of their car. Like some fucking shit ass, shitty ass like Corolla with like the local motion fucking sticker on the back. And I'm talking about back then. And um, and they get her out and she's real skinny. It's been like a week or something. I'm like, I'm like, that's not my fucking dog, man. That's not her. I can just tell from this far. It's not her. And then I'm like, and I say that. I'm like, yo, it's not my fucking dog. My fucking heartbroken. Because I've just been like... Those nights without her were fucked. It was awful. It was so dark. And um, just walking the streets hoping I'm going to find her. And uh, and they're like, call her. And I'm like, yo, see her. And I whistle for her. And then she starts running. And anyone who has a pit bull knows that they do this. But she did this thing where her butt would run so much faster than her front. So she did it almost kind of sideways. <laughs> I've seen dogs do that, yeah. yeah. And I knew it was her. So she just comes barreling into <sighs> me. And it was just like the most beautiful moment. And everyone's like, oh, shit. Oh shit! Oh, yeah, everyone's wow. like, "Oh fuck, man!" It was like, "Oh," and then kind of became like, "Oh, I'm like, hey, wow, awkward. We don't have four hundred dollars, man. We have one hundred fifty dollars." Like, <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah right. And they're like, "We well, have guns. Can you like? Because guns are fucking hard to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, late eighties, early nineties, like people there is really hard to get. And I'm like, oh, we got a shit ton of guns. We had access to guns, all throwaway guns. We had access to them. So." Yeah, we'll give you that for that. You got more dogs, and then comes yeah, come fun, come come hang out, and they did. They had more dogs, and that's where that started at. Wow, that's, yeah, because like fuck people. Everyone says yeah, everyone's just like ah, oh, those guns probably killed to sh- you know to shoot people, but fuck people. People are poison. We we're like we we're the worst of God's creatures. Like I'd rather save something innocent, you know. Wow, so you saved a bunch of dogs. Yeah. Wow, and they like, just like kind of helped them back, and then like put them out. There yeah, find people like your friends. Yeah, exactly. Like it wasn't. It wasn't like a like we were kids, so it wasn't like a real healthy like. Yeah, like, yeah, hey, yeah. this kid needs a dog, or this person needs this is a good. You know what I mean? It wasn't like right. And JoJo, JoJo was a great dog. JoJo was the first one we got. Wow! And you were also doing like a foundation funds thing too. That happened later. Yeah, yeah after after a lot of our friends started dying. Yeah, yeah under, trying to find something something positive to do is just like yeah, that was it. There's a lot of people. You know, you lose people. You, I mean, it's like for anyone would do this. You lose people. You love people. And you got to find something. You want to find something to do and put it on benefits. Yeah. And that's what's so great about what we do is you have access to that because we're all in bands. We all do stuff. People yeah. have record labels. So that's where that came from. So you're just playing shows. You're like just like fighting and saving the scene and trying to protect everybody and keep it like 
You guys are running shit pretty much. Yeah, we're yeah we're yeah we're definitely running shit. And it's putting hard. on shows, everything too. Yeah, 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 part of it. And then like you know, I'm trying to figure just shit out. Like I always wanted to. It's hard because also I'm not like. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, you should come talk to these people about your gang because now that you're like an ex-gang member, I'm like, no, this shit's different. Like these people are still my brothers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And we did. We were a bunch of boys who didn't have. We either didn't have dads or we didn't have good dads. A lot of us had really great moms, which is really ironic. Like we had really, really strong moms that we loved. We were mama's boys. But then we were trying to figure out how to be men. And we thought being men, because all we'd seen is to destroy things and destroy people and to hurt people. And that's not everyone. Some people came from more, you know, homes and they're really lucky. Yeah. My friends. But that's pretty, uh, that was definitely the rarity. Um, At least for the people that I was closest with. So, so it's hard, but I still have so much love for that. I just needed to leave that. I became addicted like I was straight edge, but you become addicted to violence. Like the first time when you feel unseen and you feel unheard, um, and then you walk into a club once and you have these three initials on your hat, your shirt, whatever it is on your jacket. And you're with your brothers who also do. And then everything just goes cold and everyone's fucking, there's a shift in the energy cause everyone's scared. That's intoxicating. Yeah. Of like, that's the first time you ever feel, I don't mean just power being in a bad fear, way. Being feared and respected. Be, just and all being that. respected. Yeah. It's yeah. respect. And you know, I can say respect, but also with that respect came. I remember my mom came sure. to visit me once and we're, you know, bringing her around this area where I lived in uh, Austin and the way that people were acting me and going to stores and shops and stuff like that. And we got home and moms always make things so lame. I'm just like, yeah, my mom knows like I'm the deal. She's like, what's going on? Are you, are you in the mafia or something? <laughs> so I'm like, mom, no. Um, wow. Yeah. But there's just that thing because you feel fucking on un- when you when you've been told you're a piece of shit your whole life. You know, and then you start to believe that becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? All of a sudden you become, find yourself as you get older. This is so crazy that what we've all been, what the three of us have been able to do, right? Because there was a time when we were locked in this concrete of like, this is who you are. You're disregarded. You're just this, right? Yeah. And then you start to believe that shit and you start to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So, um, so in all that to say that, that those are the, so there's a lot of bad there, of course, that I take responsibility for just like my own addiction to that addiction to violence. It's still my first instinct to this day. Like it's still my first instinct of just like, I say all the time cause we, for the, for the show, not to jump ahead, but like we run a very, I always tell it any actor when they come on, I run a very feminine set. Like my DP, Vanessa Joy Smith, who's fucking amazing. And she's like, the show is half hers. Like she's my creative life partner. Yeah. And we, even our camera crew, like we have more women uh, in our crew and department heads, et cetera, than any other show. Right. It's just very, very awesome. tough, but maternal and loving because we do dark shit. Mm-hmm. So you got to feel safe. And otherwise, I would say all the time when J.D. Pardo was going to direct to plays easy on our show, the lead of our show, and he was going to direct. And I was like, yo, bro, I, there's two things you can do. Like I... My instinct is to be like my dad. I'm like, I want to punch everyone in the face all the fucking time because people are annoying. They say stupid shit and just do, you know what I mean? But I don't. I love, I love unconditionally. I direct like my mom. I'm like, if you're going to direct on the show and he did a great job, it's like, you need to direct like your mom. You need to tap into your mom's love. And I heard that directly from Robert Redford. There's this seismic shift that happened in my life. And that's exactly what he said to me. And that fucked me up. Um, So that's it. So, but that is my, so when I went to prison even, that was like, that was after I'd taken this vow of nonviolence. So that was really hard. This won't prison sucks, but also because that's a language that I knew. Like, I'm yeah. good at this. I'm fluent in this. And I don't mean it's in a tough guy shit because fuck tough guy shit. It's just like, oh, I'm, I'm aware of this. Like, I don't like, if you want to have 
I was talking the other day about the brothers that I still love that are my family that were in my crew. And I, if I ever had any problem ever, there'd be no problem. There'd never be anything yeah. like, like that's the whole thing that became really intoxicating. Like, Oh, if I have a problem, it's not my problem. It's his problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? If Bruce had a problem, yo sit, bro, I got this. You're all good. And for the first people that, for people that grew up feeling unsafe in their homes, that's the first time you feel yeah, safety and that it. becomes intoxicating. Yeah. And, but there wasn't a lot of, I made a story about Bruce and I, my first film called little birds, but I made it into two 15 year old girls. Yeah. Cause if it was us as 15 year old boys, we'd been like, yo, fuck you. You want to glorify the stuff, we'd glorify too. the violence. Yeah, but then yeah, also they're great movie too, by the oh, way. Yeah. Thank you, bro. Thank yes. you, man. Is you, we wouldn't have been able to, we didn't have those conversations Yeah. as opposed to now as an adult, which is weird. I was talking about this with Brooke the other day, Brooke Smith. That I can sit down, you can talk about your trauma with people. You can talk about these things, and you can tell tell these secrets you'd never ever tell your friends. But if something was going to happen, if I had a problem, those people are going to fucking run. <laughs> I mean, they're yeah, smart. Yeah, yeah. So it's weird. The people that I grew up with, we may have we had such as closeness and intimacy, but we we're all also still suffering from this plane crash we'd all been in, mm-hmm. just sitting in different sections, and we never really talk about the fucking impact of the crash. Yeah, we, we you ever scared back then of getting arrested or getting oh, killed? Oh, always. Or? Oh, yeah, always, always. It's, it's scared, but just so like you, you're you in were, it. Yeah, you, yeah. you just feel alive. That's a problem. It becomes almost like a drug addict. That's what I think is an addiction because now it's hard to get a reaction out of everything. Like when the people, when we when I shoot now, because I don't know how to, you just don't feel normally. I mean, yeah. I think, you know what I mean? You're just like, we've seen some crazy shit. So it's hard to get a rise out of even emotionally just to be moved. Mm-hmm. And so when something happens, when people die, people I've been working with for five seasons, and I'm watching them get stabbed on air and they know or they know that it's good because I start to giggle because I don't know how to do my emotions. <laughs> I don't cry. So all of a sudden I just start to giggle and then they know Sarah Bolger who plays uh, Emily is really great at that. She's like, did you giggle? That's what I did. Did Elgin laugh? Did he giggle? Because then that's how I know that something. But I don't have that uh, capacity. I don't know. The giggle sidetracked me. I remember what your question was. No, but that's great. <laughs> I mean, so, but you're coming from such a, you had so many yes. life experiences. So that's more yeah. than these actors in yeah. the show that are portraying stuff that you actually lived through. Yeah. It's insane. And that's part of what I, I think. So it's almost like how a meth addict is you, you, you don't get the same endorphin rush or that dopamine rush. Right. It's like the same thing has happened in life. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. hard because you to have so it's it's hard to not chase those things. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So even being in prison and trying to stay nonviolent, but still being down and still being down with your car and trying to keep your people safe and all of that and being involved because you can't, otherwise you're a truck or lame. You know what yeah. I mean? So you still, I still programmed. Uh, but thank God I was straight edge because at that point, all my friends, my friends are doing other shit. You know what I mean? They're like yeah. slinging dope, trying to find dope, yeah. trying to do all these other things. And I would think about it, I'm like, I was trying to write a script. I had yeah. a script that I had to fucking write. And I was writing that shit longhand, which is so hard. <laughs> and uh, on is that the low rider script? Low riders, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. yellow legal paper. You know what I mean? And then so when we'd find out the COs are going to toss our cell, all of a sudden, everyone would be trying to get rid of fucking weapons. We're trying to get rid of drugs. I, I can only have so many amounts of paper and books in your room. So I'd be trying to give out diff- different people acts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or stuff like that. Like, all right, you take this for me. All right, I'll take that for you. Like your third act. All right. You know what I mean? Trying to smuggle that shit out. We had to smuggle out the script to Fuck. imagine. But thank God, because I have such empathy, even being straight, is my empathy for the people that I was there with who I love and are still my friends. But they were focused on something else. I was dreaming about being able to make art. Yeah. Why Why are they against you having uh, paper for writing? Uh, they would say fire hazard. You can only have so many things. But what happens is you can't do your job. So no matter what you are. And so people knew who I was when I came in and the mm-hmm. feds knew who I was. Um 
So me writing a script is me doing my job, which would have put me in the hole, which would have been a violation. Doing your job. Doing your job. You can't do your job. You can't do whatever your career, whatever it is outside, you uh, can't do that in prison because you see. can't try to monetize I anything. I see. Yeah. I see. That's, it's interesting, you know, because writing can be such a release. Yeah. You know, in a helpful way for your mind, you know, especially if you're good at it or even if you're you're trying to be good at yeah. it. But it's something that I, I hmm, you'd I think know. it'd be because they don't give a fuck. Yeah, about obviously, they yeah. don't give a fuck. Yeah. I mean, but you're right. You would think that they would try to. And I think it was also you have a target. I had a target on me. I mean, this is not the, this, the whole point of being able to achieve things is trying to get rid of that victim mindset. They definitely mm-hmm. could have fallen back into it, but mm-hmm. definitely being like, OK, this is a situation. This guy got arrested after his all this press. He made a movie, pictures with him with Robert Redford. Right. They had a target. They're like, oh, okay, this guy. And um, the good thing, though, is that there's, uh, straight, crazily enough, there's two COs. I did not engage with the COs. A lot of people like, right. just do, and I just that was my thing. I'm just like, I'm being just very clear. Um, like, we're not friends. Yes. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, like, I could see these guys just kiss ass and just be like, especially, like, white dudes. Just yeah. like, hey, we're the same. I'm like, yo, they do not think you're the same, bro. <laughs> They have the Far. fucking keys, and yeah. you're waiting locked up, and they, you know, they jingle those keys. They fuck with you. And so they, you find and they yourself. have, I believe, a lot of the CEOs have mental problems to begin well, with, and they should not be in that position. To even want that in. job, or dude. You you're know? so fucking right. You're so right. And they were more because a lot of us, you know, sometimes we get to leave. Right. Yeah. I mean, you have a short sentence, and those people there, there fucking twenty five years. Yeah. But there's this one dude that I remember, uh, and he'd be like, they'd have to do random drug tests. And he was just like, yo, all right, I'm going to go get the straight edge kid. Like, walk to the tears. I'm going to get the straight edge kid. EJ, come here. I'm like, oh, shit, this dude knows who I am. And then he's wow. like, oh, he can't tell with tattoos anymore because every motherfucker is covered with totally. tattoos, right? Right. And this dude was sleeved with tattoos, a Mexican dude. And uh, I was like, all right, all right. And uh, there's, like, there's respect there. And then he would fuck with everyone. There's just like a punk rock sensibility. You know what I mean? Like mail call. Everyone's hitting that desk. Everyone's and he's just like, yo, everyone step back. You're so scary. You're criminal. You know, just talking shit. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, this dude's punk rock. I get Mm -hmm. it. This dude's not a typical fucking CEO. He's not from the military. (laughs) Wow. And uh, and uh, yeah. And it turned out there was another dude who was actually suicidal. It was a dude from Venice. It was a white dude who was in there as one of the CEOs, too. Holy it was crazy. Because then there's a uh, yeah, it was wild. It was wild. But anyway, my question leading up before into prison. Um. Did you get arrested a bunch of times? He did a lot of jail time before that? No. No, I mean, did jail time as like a kid. Uh, got arrested <laughs> on tour. Because Europe's fucking racist. Where? Europe. Europe. Europe is the most racist place. So you go there. I mean, now our country's more <laughs> fucked up. I mean, which part of Europe? <laughs> which part of Europe? Everywhere? <laughs> Dude, Belgium, fucking Germany. Like, come on. And uh, I remember... Going there because you feel almost like apologetic, like yeah, I'm a dumb American. I'm sorry. Like we love guns, you know. We shop at Walmart. You guys have galleries and stuff, art galleries, and uh, and you go over there. But as you know, when you play Europe, you're not a tourist. You're hanging with real people and oh, kids, yeah, right? And sleeping in people's floors, and yes. it's awesome. And the people are fucking awesome. But then you see, we played in Belgium, and uh, I thought it was Antwerp, but the person Eric Scannell was with said it was actually a different city around there where they wouldn't serve us because they thought that we were Turks. Uh, wow yeah and then these okay. kids and these kids are talking about immigrants and mm-hmm. the fucking immigrants and all shit like that i'm like oh now people say it in america this time 2001 three whatever it was people weren't talking that way mm. um so you dealt with all of this shit the whole sure. time and being brown there and we yeah. didn't get to play 
France or Spain or what? Italy, all the beautiful places. We were playing like fucking everywhere cold because it was fucking, <laughs> it was February. Every time we toured there, it was always at the worst fucking time and the worst. You're in Germany. I didn't realize Germany was so big. We're in Germany for like fucking two years, if you yeah, like. Yeah, you know, it just goes on fucking forever. It's so dismal. You're psyched to get to Scandinavia. You know what I mean? Swedes are awesome. Finns are awesome. Yeah. Danish are the fucking best. Um, but yeah, but then anyway, they uh, so we're there. It's like our last day of tour. And we played, and there's this, uh, and someone Sig Hiles. Right? What? Yeah, Where we're playing this? with this afterwards. We're in Tilburg in the Netherlands, right? Okay. And, uh, and we've seen, like, the we one other black dude, I swear we've seen on this whole tour. There's a bouncer right. there, right? right. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's cool. That dude, let me, you know, give him, like, a what's up and stuff. And, uh, and this dude, Sig Hiles, and I was with so I throw a bottle and I'm like, we have to catch a flight in like 12 hours. I'm like, mm, I'm right. like, I'm so bored. I'm like, yeah, man, just do it. <laughs> and he did. And it kicked off this fucking awesome brawl. But it was me and <laughs> the other dudes in the band aren't fighters. Yeah, like right. they're lovely, fucking amazing, well-adjusted, mostly human beings. So it was me and fighting this fucking bar. But it's also the Netherlands, so it's like fighting maybe like seven Americans. You know what I mean? It was like a full fucking bar. Everyone's like civil disobedience is getting in the way. So shit goes crazy, and of course, who gets fucked up the most is this one black dude, because that dude jumps in, so splitting this dude's head open, I'm like, no, that's the whole point. And all this to say, we split, right? Like, oh, we get the, we gotta go, we gotta catch a flight to Amsterdam, me and run out, is my friend in the bane of my existence, um, and has gotten me locked up several times, and this is one of the times, so I'm walking, I'm like, yo, and then police come from everywhere, everywhere because this shit doesn't happen in Tilburg. Yeah. They're coming on fucking horseback. No lie. They're coming fucking everywhere. And I'm like, yo, yo, yo. I'm like, yo, just be cool, bro. Just be cool. And then his version of being cool is just a fucking cold sprint <laughs> without giving me warning. Not even telling this boy what's up. That motherfucker just sprints. And I'm like, I'm going to get nabbed because I'm in like already like 30 feet behind you. You know what I mean? So I try to just keep walking cool and they just pounce on me. And I'm they like, take you to the ground like just no, no, no they, they don't take me the ground like there, and they're like, you know, ask me all these questions, and then I see the promoter come up, and uh, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, my band was playing the show, sir. I don't know what happened. <laughs> and uh, and then I look over out of my corner, and I see the promoter, like, pointing at me, like, right. from behind me, and I was like, fuck. So I'm like, they start to, they cuff me up, and they're like, uh, I'm like, hey, man, I'm like, I'm an American. And they're like, no, you are arrested. And they put me in the back of this police van, and they just fucking drive me. And I just started dating the woman I'm married to now. Wow. So I'm going further. It's like an hour away, and I'm going further and further we go. I'm like, oh, I'll never see her again. And then we go, and they bring me to this fucking, I don't know. It, was almost like, it seemed like a prison itself. It was really weird because it's different. It's Europe. And they put me in a cell, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, oh, I just moved to Tilburg. Oh, <laughs> and that black monster is pretty fucked up. Like a couple of people were fucked up. That dude was pretty fucked up. I'm like, oh shit, I just moved to fucking the Netherlands. And I didn't even know I was in the Netherlands. I didn't know where I was. Mm-hmm. Um Are the, you scared at that moment? No, I'm just more resigned. I mean, of course I'm scared. I mean, I'm 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 always scared. Like there's always this low level of cortisol you can, and anxiety. The situations are pretty calm though. Yeah, you're just yeah. aware of them, like very much because we've been through so much. It's just yeah. like, all right, this is like situational awareness. Like I think some of us are really good when shit goes wrong. When everything's going good, I'm fucking terrible. Because I'm always afraid the other shoe's going to drop. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm always, I walked out of my house once, walking my dogs, and the FBI fucking pounced on me. Like, it was a super chill day. And they pounced me with their guns drawn and, like, a CBS procedural. 
uh, with their, you know, their fucking flak jackets and all that stuff like that. So I'm like, oh, oh yeah, here God. it is. I was, so I was probably more anxious. <laughs> and then as soon as that happened, I'm like, oh yeah, here it is. Here's where it came. So sitting in this prison cell in our cell in, uh, in Tilburg, but they had a radio. It was the weirdest thing. There was like a weird, like with like a deep purple rock block. It was like the weirdest fuck is way better to be in prison in Tilburg if you oh, have the sure. choice. Right. <laughs> uh, but anyway, what happened? They, they, they'd done a, uh, they'd done a, um, so I was there. I don't know what the fuck was happening. Part I didn't know is that they had made a roadblock. The band I was in, Righteous Jams at the time, they all grabbed who's the bane of my existence, also my close friend, and they brought him in the van. They covered him with our merch, right? And now it's all like weird offsize, like triple XL, Righteous Jams shirt and stuff. Try to cover this dude to try to sneak out. They stop the van, find him, bring them to a very local, maybe a five minute drive away, give these motherfuckers hot cocoa. <laughs> like you're talking about the best treatment. And they get me out and they're like, hey, we want to. um we're ready to have you leave the Netherlands. We know you're flying back to America to uh, fly out of Amsterdam. Right. We're ready for you to leave. You just need to sign this piece of paper. But your friend refuses to sign this paper. I'm like, what are you talking about? So. Your friend, I won't say his actual full name, um, says he will not sign this paper because he's like, Yo, I'm from the streets. I'm going to sign some of the cops. I'm like, tell him if he doesn't sign this piece of paper, I'm going to fucking kill him. And they're like, okay. I'm like, and as soon as <laughs> I'm like, as soon as I see him, I'm going to punch him in the face. And they're like, just please wait until you land in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> so they were sipping his hot cocoa, signed his thing. Uh, and yeah. And then we went off and then, uh, so I was also in jail in Tilburg for a fucking Listen, hot no minute. charges, nothing like that for that. I just can't go back to can't the Netherlands. Back, yeah. yeah. Ever again. Which is nice because it's actually really pretty. Tilburg's a really pretty city. Yeah. Netherlands are amazing. Yeah, amazing. So leading up to when you do go to prison, do you feel like that, looking back, not that it was a blessing, but it just stopped you and you could just focus and you were going so crazy and just life caught up with you in a sense? No, or? I think because uh, I'd already started, man. I came here, I made, trying to break that cycle. Yeah, you would turn your life around at that yeah. point and then it just this came from the past. This came from the past. So yeah. I, so, I, so in some ways, like I'd already, I was already there. I'd already been, I'd already had this moment literally a few weeks before I got arrested of being at the Sundance Labs on this, I was based on the mountain with Robert Redford. The I know the birds thing. premiere. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this is this is even before the premiere. I just went there because I didn't know how to make a movie. I didn't know anything. And they have this program that they do, where they uh, Quentin Tarantino, Paul Thomas Anderson, they call us. You've gone through before, and for whatever reason, the woman that runs it with Robert Redford, I met her. I didn't even know it existed, and she saw something in me. It's like a Mrs. Neary, Michelle Satter is the yeah. person I owe my life to. And I, she's almost like I'm like a little duckling because I'd lost my mom. So I imprinted myself on poor Michelle Satter, but she did. She just brought me into this room, asked me my story. I'd written two scripts no one had ever read before, including Little Birds. And uh, and she told me about this program, and then she called me three days later, and she's like, you're going to come to this program. And I go there, and it was the first time flying that I didn't ever, going somewhere, I didn't bring a weapon. So I'm packing to go there, and... I mean, saw Beast of the Southern Wild. Like, we had a really yeah. great year. It was like everyone was like a fucking killer. Everyone had a college degree. Everyone had their MFA. Everyone had probably had short films that won a bunch of awards, if not a feature film. My friend had already had a feature film. And I was going, and I'm like, well, you know, you travel. So what you do is you bring your padlock, and then I have my bandana over here, and then I need to put them together. Da, da, da. And I was just like, oh, maybe I, I don't need this here. And it was scary. Like, it's super funny now to talk about, but I was literally really fucking scared to go somewhere without a weapon. And I arrive and I'm around and everyone is so smart and they're talking about things I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And being from Boston, my first thing is like, I think everyone thinks they're better than me anyway. Oh, you think you're fucking better than me? Think you're fucking better than me with your fucking Sinead O'Connor shirt? Fuck, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> think you're better than my crash shirt? You know what I mean? Like, you just can't help it. And uh, I'm just lying, it's a sick shirt. Thanks. But, uh, um, 
but everyone I knew at that moment, talk about being scared. So I was way more scared going there than I was in prison. Wow. And I went back to my room after this first induction we had of like, this is, I have to just, I have to surrender. Mm-hmm. Like I'm so scared. One of the scariest things in my life and I have to fucking surrender. So that was it. So I, I Robert Redford really quickly, he, um, there'd been a moment where they teach you about cinematography. I didn't know anything about cinematography though. I'm about to go make this movie. And they're explaining, well, you know, you use this. Someone asked a question about lighting. Well, you do this with your grip. And I was just like, yo, I told myself last night I was going to surrender. I'm just going to surrender. No one's whether going to laugh at me. No one's going to laugh at me. So I raised my hands and this guy, Jula Gazdag, who's an amazing Hungarian filmmaker. He made this amazing film and was banned from his own country. And I raised my hand. I'm like, uh, excuse me, sir. I'm like, what's a grip? Everybody fucking laughed. Really? Everybody laughed because they thought I was kidding. Like, uh. you can't, you fucking idiot. Everyone knows what this. Robert Redford was in the room. And then that made him take him take me under his wing and became this incredible mentor to me. And he's the one that called my pulled me. I was like, we were talking, we're having lunch. And I'm like, yo, you know, fuck the world, man. Like, this is what I came up with. And, you know, the world didn't stop kicking me until I started kicking back. I got the fucking boot off my neck, all this violent shit. And he's just like, yo, I was like, you need to chill. He's like, <laughs> different language. It wasn't quite that language. <laughs> yo, yo, chill, son. yo, nigga, you need to chill, bro. <laughs> uh, but he was just like, uh, ask you what he did. He's like, Elgin. You need to listen more and talk less. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, fuck. Robert Rifford just told me to shut up, but damn, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's like, all of your animal rights and your passion about that is because you're seven years old and you saw them killed in front of you, so you're just stunted as a seven-year-old. He's like, you're still a scared little kid. All of your drug addiction, I mean, you're dr- being drug-free, being straight edge, is because your father was a drug addict, so you're still stunted there as a seven-year-old. All of your stuff, but like baking everything down to when I was like seven, you're still a seven-year-old child. The problem is, is then you were 20 and you weren't seven anymore and you're still kicking back against the world, but now it's dangerous and you're not the victim anymore. You're the victimizer. He's like, and now here you are. And I was in my early thirties, whatever it was then. And he's just like, you have the choice. He's like, you keep telling me about your father. You're not telling me you're not, you can take two paths. Your mother, who is beautiful thrillist. My mother was like a Quaker and you can tap into her. And then you can become an artist or you can stay and continue to be like your father. You need to make that choice. And I was like, fuck. One, it's Robert Redford and then all that shit. No one ever broke it down. Like a male like adult figure like that. Even yeah. Talking like that. It's the first time I'd ever had a positive male role model, really. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like fucking incredible. And um, so I took this vow of nonviolence with him on this mountain in Utah, this otherworldly thing. Fuck. And then three weeks later, I'm walking out of my house with my dogs with Chopper and Nell and all these FBI agents come. And I'm like, oh, shit, here's the other shoe that dropped. You get fucking whisked away. And then luckily I got to get out and make my movie. But I knew I was going back, having made this vow of nonviolence to the most prisons, of obviously really dark, right. hopeless, violent place. And that's what I knew. So going in there, it wasn't like I wasn't scared of fighting. Again, I mean, a tough guy shit because fuck, fuck it. You know what I mean? I, just, I wasn't scared of that part. I was scared of how do I not do that? And you had no idea anything was coming after you, nothing. You just... No, I didn't, I didn't know. Yeah, I thought like, yeah. And the same day you got um, sent to, you got hired for a screen print. Yeah, yeah, so for the writing lowriders. Yeah, exactly. Fuck. Yeah, so, so they put that shit through literally because, yeah, it was tough. And even when the judge, because I got, there's like, when we do this, because we we're just trying to stay out as long as possible. We knew we were going to go to prison. Um, decided to make the movie. So so we did, we did, we did. And it's like, there's just one judge we don't want because she's really hard. And she'll crucify you. And then of course, that's who we got. Mm. And thank God for her because she sat there. She heard both sides. And my and uh, you know the uh, AUSA side and then my lawyer side. And you're standing there the whole time, and you're just like your brain's a buzz. You know what I mean? You're just there waiting to see what's going to happen. 
because uh, you know it's always like for 25 years but that never happens but they figure that we get like three to four years if i do three to four years my career is over it's done my career is probably already over just getting one so she's sitting there and she's saying well you are she's trying to write work it out in her head and she's like you are a domestic terrorist and we've been put on a domestic terrorist list you're a domestic you guys terrorist. gangland too yeah so she's like you're a domestic terrorist you've done all these terrible things how are you of any worth and but we had all these letters from ed harris robert redford all these beautiful ed people Harris, hard yeah another positive real male role model. my first male role model ever was basically ed harris and uh robert redford state of grace amazing sick Ooh. uh but anyway yeah. and then because uh so i didn't know so any so she gave me that sentence and i took advantage of it, it was like we were talking before um they're gonna just talking about how not playing the victim there's very easily like oh man because you spent we're victims our whole life and you feel like a victim that's what i was like i'm a victim all these terrible things happen to me so the world's got it coming and then i finally let go of that shit and then i'm like yo fuck it i'm like i'm an artist this is great i'm like in silver lake sipping smoothies with kate bosworth you know what i mean i'm like this yeah. is it hanging out with leslie man this is it isn't this great Damn. and then that shit came back and your first instinct is like see i fucking knew it man i knew it i knew i'm a piece of shit i was so close fuck the world this happened so just wrestling that to get out of that victim mindset of like so it wasn't i wish i hadn't been frozen but i'm like yo i'm gonna be frozen for a while i'm gonna read like read 101 books get better about story i had really good brothers in there that i'm still close with or just like i said you program but they're like yo ej after count i don't want to see you bro you got to work on that script got to work on that script dude how's it going you know what i mean it was just like uh so that was it and then yeah then i wrote low riders how, how do you stay how do you how do you stay vegan in jail oh dude i lost i went in like 194 and i came out i think like 151 Fuck. it was just peanut butter bro it was like peanut butter and pretzels but it was commissary because you couldn't eat any of the shit all right that they give they you, give you. Right. yeah and it's like a weird loaf and then they put gravy on it half the times. And then to be honest with you, it's just like fucking pieces sweating in it and the fucking, you know what I mean? It's just like, I was just like not fucking. Well, people sending you vegan stuff? Like, you get question? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, actually being vegan, was there like, it was just like meat or like uh, any kind of carb. Was there absolutely zero vegetables at all? Oh, the vegetables were fucking suspect. Yeah, it was barely any vegetables and they were suspect. It was mostly just fucking meat. It was mostly yeah. just meat, 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 meat or meat adjacent. You know what I mean? Right. Or as vegetables with the meat. And it was just like worst. It was the worst food as you can fucking imagine. Yeah. And friends can't bring you food or nothing. Oh, like you that. can't send nothing. They couldn't no. send anything. So I was literally just waiting for commissary, getting a jar of peanut butter and Obviously working and out in there like crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but there's no weights anymore, right? Because they stopped that, which is, I guess, smart to them. Because people are... Well, people just getting jacked. Yeah. yeah. People don't look like they did. You see, like, the 1970s, like, convicts and stuff like that with, like, the awesome mustaches and their <laughs> jack. That doesn't exist anymore. Everyone's, it's, like, CrossFit in there. Yeah. Um, fuck. Can I, can but, I, go ahead, yeah, go. I just want to figure out the timeline of uh, okay. how all this, like, came into... To, yeah, I went to away in 2011. Like, so, yeah. when you were, I guess, in Boston and then... You, like when did like the whole spark of like knowing that you could write and and you wanted to do a screenplay you had these ideas okay. in your mind like what was there a moment or was that always building up before going to prison it's a fucking that's a great question man is that what happened is i i always loved film and art and stuff and okay. like into hardcore but i'm also into like nick drake i'm trying to teach, okay. keep my friends on stuff like that so it's always that other part of you and i always want to get the fuck out even when i was in the gang i was like started in americana band like you always like one and a half feet in, half a foot out, you know, and then you tour. I mean, this band's like Wrecking Crew. Yeah. And my friends who I love would get fired up from what we were doing, and then they'd murder everyone at the fucking show. Right. And same thing with Big Block, even more to an extent. Yeah. Yeah, there was always shit happening. And then... Um, well, this is my fuse. 
world's my fuse exactly bro and i'm like hey we're in an indie band now and the same shit happens we're in righteous jams and it was, it was great about righteous jams it was great just, band too man. yeah thank you but that was like that was that was fun man that was yeah joey c the singer of that band uh is still he's a special magical human being my wife was shipping those records out here on broken records chad's label. oh yeah yeah fuck yeah chad's, yeah but you know we'd come to play we'd show up at a festival like yo man how come everyone's being weird how come no one's excited to see us and I'm just like oh well, because your friends were mugging everyone in the parking lot. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh my shit, God, fuck. Holy but when we played, there was never any issue. It was always beautiful. But I always had that dream. And so what I would do, I was really embarrassed that I read. Like, I loved mm, books. Okay. And so I would hide uh, all my books underneath my mattress. Like, we were squatting or something, right? Because mm-hmm. I didn't want my friends to see. It was like as if it was porn you're hiding. But right. the porn could be anywhere. It could be fully out because there's a bunch of dudes. But I would hide, I'd hide like Steinbeck. I'd hide all these mm-hmm. books that I had. And Sylvia Plath, who I fucking love. And um, and sex and all these things. I, I didn't want my friends to find out about it. And then I'd be like, you know, this is like mid-90s. I'd be like, yo, bro, I'm going to go hang out. You know, it's like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm going to go hang with that chick I met last night. And they're like, yo, dude, you did not meet a chick last night. You're full of shit. I'm like, yo, bro, no, you didn't see it, man. I was talking to this girl on lens down. It's all good. We're going to go meet up. And then I'd go alone to the Coolidge Corner Theater or to the Harvard Square Theater or to the Brattle where all these indie films would play. Wow. And so I discovered Terrence Malick there because of Thin Red Line, which brings me back to Days of Heaven and Badlands. And I just found, so I'd just wait there until the very last minute of all the credits just like alone, or not alone, but alone with myself in this theater, and it just became something really magical and special to me, and I dream about that. That was a daydream of making movies. So then I'd secretly try to write scripts. I'd try to write scripts, and I wrote a script, and I thought, oh, cool, wow, I actually wrote a script, but it wasn't, the internet wasn't what it is now. Right, yeah. And there weren't also, like, screenwriting books, I didn't know. I was gonna ask, yeah. Yeah, so my script is, like, 26 pages, and it's supposed (laughs) to be, like, at least 90. You know, even Little Birds that I'm being made was still only, like, 81 pages, because I just couldn't write that much. Um, So that's what it was. It was, like, secretly, and I really wanted to do a short film, and finding stuff, doing stuff. I really wanted to... um, I want to be a filmmaker, man. I'm like, how do you get a camera? We got to find a fucking camera. Like, yeah. how do we do this? And girl at Lansdowne Street, which I'm sure you guys both know, is right the street with all the clubs are at across mm-hmm. from Fenway Park. Mm-hmm. So we'd have at two o'clock in the morning, everyone would get out, lots of riots, fights, everything, just chaos. It was debauchery. It was a blast. And we would work all the doors, right? We'd work the doors of all the clubs. And Girls Gone Wild came down, right? And we're like, yo, these people are fucking garbage. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I want those cameras. So I don't want to out my, I should have asked him permission to tell the story. I don't want to out my dude, uh, but he is, uh, he is, uh, I think, one of the greatest front men to happen in the last two decades in Boston easily. Um, I'll bring him up somewhere else down this conversation. But I was just like, yo, I want a camera. He's like, oh, I'll get a camera. So we went and we jumped these dudes, right? These folks with a, Girls gone wild cameras, right? Because oh it's disgusting God. what they're doing. You know what right. I mean? Like, yeah. fuck these motherfuckers, misogynistic pieces of shit. So then he's grabbing them, but we're not the first people to think about this. Oh. So they have these like coaxial cables t- right, tapped, padlocked wow. around their fucking waist so people can't steal their cameras. Whoa. So I just end up smashing all their cameras. But I'm like, yeah, we got to get a camera. So there's just other things around to figure out where I could get money and combine these two worlds. Like, where. I, yeah, so that's what it was. I was gonna do this. I'm gonna try to make a thing, and I made it. I made a. Sh- I made a short film there. Okay. And uh, you made a short film. Made a short film. Yeah, that oh. no one's seen. Right, no one's seen. And Who then was uh, acting in it. I was acting in it. Okay. I wanted to act first. I wanted to act, yeah, and right. then I remember going to an acting class. My friends have no. They still oh, have so no you idea. Went to an what acting class. Went to an acting wow. class. Wow. And uh, in Boston, no one, literally, no one knows this. And um, 
And I was sitting there, you know, I'm like, it's all we get the really super, super scary. And the teacher was really cool. And he was just like, you guys should all figure out who you could actually play. Like they figure out let's the best thing about being an actor is know to be realistic about your possibilities. And everyone's, you know, some like some woman's like, I could be Julia Roth. I was like, no, you can't. You know what I mean? Or some dudes, I think it'd be all like, yeah, dude, you ain't Ryan Gosling. Like, no, this just happening. And uh, this is actually pretty Ryan Gosling. Um, but uh, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, fuck, I could be like prisoner number four. You know what I mean? Like I could do. So that's a really to set the journal. Like I'm going to write my own script. Uh, okay, and that's that's okay. the first germination of that. Wow. Um, yeah. And then I moved out here because I get away from all that stuff. And uh, just in general, I get away in myself out of my own way. And uh, and then I made a made in a weekend. I knew Pete Wentz right from Fallout Boy, yeah, yeah, right? Because yeah. uh, everyone from Chicago and all my friends in Chicago do security and everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yo, Pete, you're going to come be in my movie. Um, uh, Pete, uh, different Pete, who's in a global threat, like great fucking punk band from Boston. Our friend Brian, he's working at doghouses. Everyone I knew, no one had done this stuff. Okay. Yeah. Pete's an editor now. I'm like, hey, just come this weekend. We're here with this camera. And then we just shot something in a weekend. Damn. Yeah. Because I'm like, because everyone's like, you moved out here. I'm like, I want to make movies. They're like, oh, we well, should become a PA. You should do this uh-huh. and this. And I'm like, yeah, fuck that. It's punk rock. I'm just going to do it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know why, bro? I love yeah, it. exactly. Yeah, yeah, so I'm yeah. just going to do it. Bring it over. And we did it, you know. Mindy, like, you know, Maddie, Maddie Madball's yeah, wife, yeah. like, was, like, my first AD. You know what I mean? Which, none of us knew what that meant. <laughs> she wow. just bossed everybody around. She's really good at that, as anyone who knows her knows. Um, respect, man. Yeah, respect. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, we just made shit happen. So that's it. Just made shit happen. And then, yeah. Also, the, like, the Boston Beatdown video, that... That was so weird, bro, because we didn't... Everyone would film stuff in boston because there was so many fights and all being actually all like the kind of youth crew kids would fight would film stuff videotape stuff because there was stuff happening so um is that some evidence that they 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 had of you two moving forward no because there's not no one that wasn't really anyone in fsu we did like the interview stuff yeah you like sewing your arm up yeah 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 yeah. so so my face yeah sort of my stomach and then another dude my friend howie's stomach yeah that Uh, shit was fucked yeah, especially when there was one in Sona Powie and like we hit it, hit an artery or something, and blood just goes. Pfft. No gloves, no nothing. <laughs> Disgusting. So, but um, the, but those videos weren't evidence for anything moving. Oh, they tried. They they did everything, every little fanzine interview I'd ever done. They had everything in my discovery. Everything. Yeah, and then a lot of people I thought were friends. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in the discovery that happens mm. when anyone's arrested that changes your point of view of the world. And, but then you pretty much say. You pretty much say in Rolling Stone magazine that you're not part of that no more. That's when you kind of quit, kind of. Yeah, and it wasn't even like of. quit. It was just like, yeah, it was just like, because I never got respectfully retired. It was just like, yo, I need to go on to a new adventure. You know what I mean? Like, I need to, even was Miss Strabe, it was really just like, yeah, if, if what I did yesterday is like the most important, like most interesting thing about you, it's always been then like, fuck that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I never felt satisfied. I don't feel satisfied with, we just did five seasons of Minds and nearly killed ourselves doing it. It's like, yo, fuck that. What, what's next? Yeah, you know, and I think that's the way. Well, I think sometimes with our friends, it becomes a start. You start to look back, and I never want to look back because then you never start to look forward again. A lot of people live in the past. A lot of people live in the past. Yeah, and fuck that. I don't want to do that. So, to me, it wasn't just like, oh yeah, I've turned my. That's why I think you know. Luckily, you and I have the same brain that runs all over the fucking place, so it's okay. Yeah, but I didn't answer your question from fucking a long time ago. But I think that was, um, but that was part of it of why I'm not like. Oh, let me sit down and talk to kids about being in gangs because this is yeah. different. We intentionally went here to do this thing. We weren't protecting the neighborhood. We weren't doing these things. We weren't selling drugs. This is, we felt unsafe in one place. We felt safe together. And people can say things got fucked up or they didn't. They're things, and I take responsibility for everything that happened. But it wasn't like, yeah, 
shutting that door. It's more like, yo, I need a new fucking adventure. Yeah. I need a new adventure. And the people that love me, and a lot of people moved out with me when I came out to LA, understood that. Yeah. You know, and supported that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. That's it. Fuck. Mm. So, what are okay, we going to say? No, no. I, I'm, I'm still working with the. So, so, you did the short film, and then. So, when did the Re- Robert Redford connection? So, yeah, I did that short film, and uh, yeah, I did the short film, and what do you do? And actually, it did really well. It's really crazy. It was on digital, one of the first digital releases. Awesome. We did it with Think Film. We did Half Nelson, all these amazing movies. Okay. Love Bought Nelson. it. Yeah, and it was crazy. And so, this is what happened. So, they were. The, um, Everyone wanted to do a story about my life, like a life story kind of a thing, like a biopic. And I didn't know how to, and I was like, yeah, all right, cool, because I want to make movies. I'm, my friend Jeff, I'm still friends with my friend Nick, Jeff had played with the Boston's, and when I'd come out here, he was just like, hey, well, maybe we do this project about you. And I'm like, oh, shit, all right. But it wasn't, I think Jeff wanted me to write, because Jeff was always really supportive, but it wasn't to the studios when we got set up with Nick Cassavetes, I don't think where I was going to direct, Justin Timberlake was going to play me. Because very different times, I'm like, yo, that dude's like white. And they literally said, it's like, <laughs> like, no, it'll be okay. He has a black right. card. They literally said that in a meeting. I was just like, oh, that, I don't know. If that, wow. Really? That's right, bro. I don't know. That's right. Um, Let's get Michael Rappaport then to play. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's fucking random. That's crazy. Okay. So I go into these meetings with Jeff and Nick, great dudes. Um, but I'd hear everyone talking. I'm like, yeah, it's not fucking right. And I'd have to pitch it. And I'd be like, yo, and then this happens. And my friend Danny Edge dies, which was fucking devastating to all of us in Danny because he was such a special human being. And he's dead. He's not here. He should be with me. He should be doing this instead of me because he was so fucking talented. Um, and then I go to a point which is like, yo, and then my mom dies. And all the execs would be like, oh, mm. you know, I'm just like, oh, fuck, this shit's real. And I'm like the monkey coming in. I'm like, mm. oh, and then I hit the guy in the face. You know what I mean? With a brick. Mm. And then... Uh, I was like, yo, I can't. I felt so sick to my stomach. But my girlfriend I moved out here with, who literally just like transferred school out here. She's like, we'll get out of Boston. We put everything we had in a van and drove out here with our dog, Myra. And she was just like trying to support us both. Right. I'm like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this project. I got to do this project. But every time I'd feel so sick and I was so miserable. And she's like, fuck that. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. And I'm like, oh, shit. All right. So then I'm like. I'm like, what am I going to do? What's it going to be about? Because I do want to tell the story about friendship and this thing with your friends. I were everything, but there's a certain point we start to steal each other's oxygen. Yeah. You've had that friend in your life before when someone sees you and they ask you about that other person before they ask you about you, like all that stuff. Right. Yeah. And I wanted to tell that story. And then uh, we, we just moved here. Um, Chad was part of the reasons why I moved out here is Chad and my friend Gibby Miller had moved out here. So I was like, oh shit. All right, we'll go. And uh, that's it. Like, this is the dream. Being East Coast kids, as we all know, we right. dream, or Midwest kids, you dream about coming to California. For sure. So we li- lived the dream, came out. I read something where never go to the Salton Sea. Never go in the Salton Sea after dark. It's really scary. So my wife and I were coming home from Joshua Tree. We went to go see where Graham Parsons was burned. And we're like, fuck yeah, we're going to go to jo- We're going to go to uh, Salton Sea. <laughs> and I saw this girl on the back of her boyfriend's bike, she's maybe like 15, 14, and she had cigarettes rolled up in her sleeve and she was on the back pegs. And I was like, oh, you're never gonna leave this town. And I was like, that's exactly how I felt in this little town. Like, even though we're from New England, New England's beautiful. When you're there, it doesn't feel like it. It feels like all those trees is fucking stealing your oxygen. Feels like you're fucking, it's strangling you. And uh, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna write, I'm gonna change Bruce and I to be like 14 year old girls. I'm going to write this script like that. And then I can also be more honest about it. And yeah, growing up with really strong women, 
like my sisters are awesome and out of their minds in the most awesome way. My like everyone was like, there's so much personality. I was like trying to get my voice heard in that house. You know yeah. what I mean? So I was like fat and then my bigger sisters, I was just so fascinated with them and all their friends. And, um, I remember one time we're at this party in a, in a hayloft because it was rural Connecticut and this, I was maybe like fifth grade and this like 11th grader was like talking shit while Ted Nugent was playing. Something happened and I punched him in the face and gave him a bloody nose because I mean, it was fifth grade and I'm like, oh, I'm dead now. But all of like my sister's teenage friends came in between me and they're like hugging me and like, oh my God, are you okay? All oh, that's so, and I'm like, I'm going to punch people in the face for the rest of my life. This is awesome. <laughs> so I was fascinated by this and by women. It's so complicated as you know being married it's yeah. like when i say something i just mean like hey can you hand me that water my wife says something it's a whole thing about like five years ago you didn't hand me water once you know it's yeah. just, everything's like so layered and complicated mm-hmm. and so fun to write and dudes are just dumb dudes aren't fun to write about yeah <laughs> uh so that was it so that so i basically like i'm gonna go write the script i was repped at william morris at the time I told them, hey, I'm going to write it myself. And so I was no longer repped at one more. So they fucking dropped me. Oh, wow. And then I went off and just wrote it. Uh, and I didn't know any better. So I wrote it in three weeks. I'm like, I got to be longer than 26 pages like my other one. Right. I <laughs> uh, wrote that shit. And, uh, and then Half Nelson, this is a guy, Jimmy Patrickoff. And he had um, done Half Nelson. And he did Blue Valentine, Place Beyond the Pines, Captain Fantastic. He's like, he's the bomb. He and Katie McNeil, mm-hmm. he works with. But he wanted to meet about that Rolling Stone article. And mm-hmm. I didn't go. I sent two friends of mine to meet him. Cause I'm like, yo, I'm not meeting about that anymore. I'm not going to do that movie, but bring this script. So they brought this script. So he's like, wait, this dude, this gang member wrote a script about 14 year old girls. He's like, yeah, fucking. And who are you? Which one? He's that one. Like the fuck? Right. <laughs> like not interested. True story. His assistant, Katie McNeil took my script home, came back and said, we have to make this movie. And I owe my whole entire career to Katie McNeil. Wow. wow. Yeah. And now she's the uh, head of VP in production for his company. Cause she's the bomb. So wow. that's what it became like. So then she mm-hmm. put me in a room to We're in 2009 now. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, you should meet this woman, Michelle Satter, who runs Sundance Institute with Robert Redford. Okay. I walked into that room, all lovely, amazing women. It's like slipping into a warm bath after all this like weird, fake, gross, macho. Right, right, There's so yeah, much fake yeah. macho bullshit, tough guy bullshit in this town. It's disgusting. I hate this town. I hate that aspect of this town, this industry. Yeah. And I told her everything. I came here, this, 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 this. And she's just like talking about the, because we're going to be on um, a major studio and telling the people I was involved with. And she's like, Elgin, you've been hanging out with the wrong crowd. <laughs> right. <laughs> Come right. be an artist. And that's what it. So that that's that wow. timeline. And that was after prison? No, that was before Not prison. Before okay, prison. Yeah. okay. So now, that was before yeah. prison. So I'm that, just trying to get it in my head because yeah. I know you guys know each other. No, I know. So I know. It just for people can understand all that amazing stuff's happening, and then he gets the charge. Go yeah, on. yeah. That's yeah. what it. I did. It wasn't clear. Like, no, yeah, the story. So yeah, yeah. yeah so okay. we went, and they were the people who sent me books the whole time, and like Sundance people at my back the okay. whole time I was there. When I uh, got, so I got arrested. I got out the next day on bond. Um, my Jamie Patrickoff, who's now my manager producer we're talking about, uh, was there in the courtroom with my wife. Wow. And this is a time when a lot of dudes with like face tattoos, like brothers were like running for the hills. And then people like Robert Redford and Ed Harris stood, you know, stood the fuck up for me. Mm-hmm. You wow. know what I mean? And they showed up in a big way. So they were the first call I made was to the sun with Sundance when I was driving home after my court thing. So, uh, so how's it work? You get arrested by the feds, you go to court, you get on a bond. Then how long do you, you go to jail after that? Waiting, we were just pushing because we knew. I mean, I was part of the whole thing was like taking responsibility, mm-hmm. uh, which sucks. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun. It's easy to say, uh, but taking responsibility. If I was going to be truthful about everything, I had to be like 
yeah, I was truthful about this. Yeah, I 100% did this. So we knew it was going to happen, but we had to keep pushing and pushing so I could make the movie. Mm-hmm. And that's all like games anyway with lawyers and this and just like, so that's what we were just waiting on time, waiting on time. And uh, so that was this summer. And then we shot the movie in, yeah, God, I guess the fall aired in a, a Sundance premiere in January. And then I got, then I went to prison in March. Wow. Yeah. What, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. It, is it okay if I ask what the charge was? Yeah, it was a federal extortion with like a shit ton of like gang enhancements okay. and all those other things. That's how they. That's how they okay. get you. Fuck. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. It's how, crazy. Long you, how long are you in there for? Just a year and a day, and that's why I should thank this judge, right? Because they, because they knew they're never. You never get the full thing, but that's everyone makes a deal with the feds. Meaning you always plead, plead guilty because mm-hmm. the feds win. They don't come for you. I put it in a line in our in our uh, in our show. They don't come for you until they got. They know they got you. Yeah, and they waited till they knew they got me, and uh, and that was it. So then with her, and I was like, when I came out after a year and a day, it was starting from fucking scratch because I had the hot to be thing hot thing for a minute of like, look at this gang guy turned right. his life around. Isn't this great? Uh, and then all of a sudden, fuck, he got arrested. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Old news. Okay. So I, I was starting from lower than scratch when I came fuck. out. Yeah, and it was, uh, um, yeah, it was tough to try to build it back up and figure out and sit and sit there and one can dream about continuing to break this fucking cycle been born into. Not only as a victim way, it's just being aware of your surroundings. Right. Like this is even when I met my biological dad years ago, I was like, oh, you've been to prison, you've done all these same things. This is just in our DNA. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Right. yeah. Wow. It's like yeah, being you know, uh, not wealthy, being a socioeconomically insecure mm-hmm. male of color in this fucking country, <laughs> chances are you're going to go down these paths. They don't have to. Right. Some people get jobs in McDonald's or get fucking jobs in IT or some people don't when you come from a certain thing. But um, what's my responsibility? That Here's the things that I did. I made a shit ton. I was like, oh yeah, I'm in this fucking hole. And then I kept digging that hole. I can't believe I'm in this hole. It's just so sad. Well, I keep right. digging the hole fucking <laughs> deeper and deeper. <laughs> So finally, I had to climb the fuck out of the hole. And you were writing in prison that entire Yeah, time. I wrote that fucking, I wrote that script. Yeah, yeah Low Riders. Yeah, I wrote Low, Low Riders, and then um, trying to smuggle it out, and because uh, you couldn't, because I couldn't work. Like, yeah, yeah, about, yeah, like, I couldn't right, work, so we right. had to, so I tried to slip it out in like 15 letters. I tried to write really boring stuff to my, um, uh, to my wife, and then slip in a few pages of the script. Some would get through, oh, some wouldn't. And then, wow, yeah. people wow. I was with, the people, that I was cool that my world, my brothers in there, they had a way to get things in, let's just Mm -hmm. say. And one of them was just like, I bet we could get something out that same way. And I'm like, Oh damn, you think? So then Brian Grazer is literally getting pages smuggled out of fucking prison to him for low riders. Low riders, unfortunately became something different. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? They became, they were afraid. They tried to please everyone that'll happen. And then ended up pleasing no one. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, but because uh, I was in it, I was in it. I was with kids who, who their whole world was this culture. Everyone, I, I was like the best research I could have. Yeah, just of with course. My friends. Right, right. Yeah. So all that shit was locked down because I had the people that were going to go through, you know, fine tooth and comb. Crazy, so, man. So you, you get out, you've written this. And like, so how do you get like little birds? Feet, like, yeah, little birds. Like, how do you get back into it? Like, you Fuck don't because you, you don't have, you said you had to start it from, yeah, start from scratch. Day. Yeah. And, uh, um, uh, Jamie Patrickoff, we talked before, uh, Half Nelson, Blue Valentine guy basically discovered yeah. me and Katie McNeil is when you're in the halfway house, you need to have a job. Yes. Right. And I was actually up for the uh, um, for the NWA straight out of Compton thing. 
What? Is that crazy? I was up to direct that. It was crazy. Just because. (laughs) Is that so weird, right? So I'm like. That's fucking incredible. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, it's crazy. So I'm like, I'm at visiting, and they record everything all the time, right? So we can't talk about business. At I'm the like, halfway house? No, no, it's just, sorry, this is back in, in prison. Oh, okay. Recording right, the conversations. Right. Yeah, yeah, everything's they mic'd everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and my wife's like, you know, just whispering, like, you know, your agent Sarah, she's this thing. I'm like, wait, what? And I'm like, <laughs> I had to go back up and talk to fucking Lionel, because that dude grew up with all that, you know what I mean? Just like, I got my research right up there. Right, right. <laughs> and so I come out, I'm in a fucking halfway house. And How long in the halfway house need to be there? A few, I think it was, I can't remember it is. it's always just like you have like several months, but you always, as long as you don't fuck up and get yes. on a few. Halfway houses are really scary. It's why a lot of people decide to stay in longer. Yeah. You slip up so easily. Shit's always mm-hmm. happening. I think my second day in, the guy I was with in my room, so like bunk kind of rooms, and a door fucking gets kicked open and it's the U.S. Marshals with their guns drawn. Because this dude had been out, he'd been out for a couple months and had beaten the shit out of his girlfriend on uh. like a day pass. And uh, so just you're always well aware of this shit just get fucking gone in a fucking minute. Yeah, mm-hmm. good riddance. Um, but yeah, so I was having so I'm like, but you need a job. And I'm like, right. I can't get a job. I can't get hired. Just like everyone. I can't get hired anywhere. I can get hired in fucking McDonald's right now. But also, like, I need to work on this other career. Right. And trying to explain to the woman, but I might, because they also take like 40, I don't know, it's like certain percentage of whatever you make goes back to the halfway house. Wow. I'm like, yeah, but I might do this. That. Yeah, I might do this fucking movie. Are you guys gonna take like, you know, forty thousand? And she's like, yeah. instead of being like, oh, really? She's just like, oh, fuck this motherfucker. Like, you think you're better than anybody else? I'm like, that ain't it. Like, <laughs> right? This conversation was fucking woman. Um, because also they just shut down. It's a bureaucracy. They just shut down. I'm like, yo, you are trying to. Because there's another dude in there. She's like, well, what about him? Tattoos all over his face, uh, affiliated with a one uh, percent club, one uh, percent club. And uh, it's like, well, what about him? What about him? How is he going to find a job? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, that dude's family is here every fucking weekend. They're barbecuing out back. He's got all of that. I'll give that up for that. Right. My family's fucking dead. My parents are dead. I got fucking nobody. You know what yeah. I mean? So I'm like, I'm out here alone trying to make this fucking shit happen. But Jamie, who's amazing, and Lynette Howe is another uh, incredible producer in this town. She just did like A Star is Born. She's in a bunch of films. They're my manager at the time. So they basically hired me, uh, paid out of their pockets like $15 an hour out of their pockets for me just to come to the office just to write. Uh, so see, career-wise, I had to start from scratch. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't have to start from scratch is people that fucking looked out for me. Okay. Yeah, okay. like, yeah, I don't want right. to go over that at all. Like These people like looked out for me. Uh, Sunday still energy. looked out for me. Yeah, yeah, they didn't give up. He was just trying to figure out how to sell that to everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, and it came down to So my, my pitch for the NWA film was like straight Terrence Malick, like straight beautiful. I'm like, when you grow up poor, you don't know you're poor. Um, everything's beautiful when you're a kid. Everything's beautiful. I'm like, it's fucking. I'm like, I picture like the wind blowing sneakers on a fucking telephone wire. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, let's show that. Let's not show the same thing we've seen. I think it was so crazy that I made it all the way through all these other people to me and F. Gary Gray, and I was going still in the halfway house. I was got out to do the thing to go pitch this to New Line. I think it was <laughs> fucking crazy. And, uh, and it's me and F. Gary Gray comes out. Uh, he'd been there with the head of New Line, everyone, with this weird, crazy digital projector or some shit. Because that dude just housed it. And I looked at him, and I had like a I Xerox copied at the halfway, <laughs> this sort of like thing. And I was like, Oh, I'm not gonna get this. <laughs> and I went into the room, and they're all really sweet, but I could tell yeah. like, Oh, that yeah, I did not, I did not get this. So again, I had nothing. Can get hired, can get do nothing. And uh, and then Lisa Ling, of all people, the journalist, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. had a TV project 
And then, so when I was in a halfway house, that woman uh, showed up and she's like, hey, let's do this uh, show together. So it was my first foray into TV. That got bought by Showtime, but it ended up getting made. Wow, man. So that's when everyone's like, fuck, I mean, like, I'm fucked. Fuck the macho bullshit side of Hollywood, right? And all the vanity, but there's also like real fucking people here that you know. Everyone kind of came here with this dream of making stuff, mm-hmm. so there is a lot of like beautiful people here too. Yeah, and then the Mayans. And the Mayans, yeah. Fuck, how's yeah, that happening? I know. Huh? I was yeah. like, we didn't even tap. I know, bro. Like, how do we? Like, how did that even? Yeah. Yeah. How's the Mayan thing? Um. Yeah. So my is there a pause button? Yeah, sure. Can use the restroom real yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we always do that. This yeah, we might have to take. A- we're back. We're back in the mines. We took a yeah. pee break. <laughs> just yeah, we're so, just but, starting d- d- up with the mines. Well, just so yeah. the listeners know, we mean I was been talking about doing this for a really long time. Yeah, so I right, knew okay. I knew it was going to be deep and long, and that's what no, I, you were going off and, about and it, and that's what I wanted. Like, just, just as like this is awesome. So mines. Yeah, we got. I mean, just friendship alone, we got a couple decades between us. Never mind the fucking feels like a decade we've been talking about. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it's nice because I I've only know maybe. The uh, urban legends or the things right. about you throughout your life and the different bands you in, and then I see you. You go to jail and you come out and you, on the TV show that I fucking love, and you're a mm. part of it. It's it's it's, it's amazing, man. Yeah. So we're in the mines now. How's yeah. that happen? Yeah. So uh, we trying to do some stuff, and again, it's like my wife. I always told her, I'm like, yo, this is like I'm going to law school. Like, cause she was working her ass off to support us. Shout out to Elizabeth, man. She, uh, yeah. Ride or die. Yeah. From the jump with you, coming out with you That's for right. all your dreams. You know, before you guys even became parents, like it's it's amazing. Man. Yeah, it's it's awesome, it's awesome man. man. Yeah, um, feels like just yesterday. I remember coming out to visit Chad and uh, hanging out. I think it was at the Melrose place and hanging out with you and Chad. Yeah, we went to Maggiano's. Is that the place you got to do? That thing? was the spot, the Italian spot, the Grove. Yeah, I was still in Boston. I was like, yo, these motherfuckers just hang out in the sunshine and buy sneakers all day. <laughs> like, how is this? How is this real life? <laughs> <laughs> That's so yeah, fucking but true. Yeah, Liz was with me. Yeah, we wow. came out. Yeah, I came out to see you. Um, <laughs> so I was like, "Baby, just like, yeah, she trusted everything. Like, she didn't know. Like, she had no idea what was going to happen. Like, but she believed way before anybody else believed." And I'm so like, cool. "Yo, it's like, just trust me on this." And she worked really hard in the music industry as an assistant, and then finally moved up. But being a woman, uh being talked down to a bunch of old dudes like oh you don't know who john faye you couldn't know this you don't know who about you know what i mean all this stuff she was stomaching that to support us and then um and then i get arrested uh. <laughs> it's just like oh shit yeah and then uh and then make moving i'm in prison and then she's still fucking holding right. it down waiting so we get out i'm trying to make shit happen trying to make shit happen um and Get some stuff. Have a great Hulu show. It doesn't go anywhere. Showtime doesn't go anywhere. My show with Lisa and Diego Luna doesn't go anywhere. Uh, what was that show called? Uh, Jesus. It was a rad show. It was going to be Diego Luna was going to play uh, modern day Jesus. But as if the Old Testament never happened. Sorry, the New Testament never happened. It's just Old Testament. Oh. And uh, he's a gang member in uh, in Boyle Heights. Before Boyle Heights is what it is now. Back, wow. you know, 10 years ago still. Um, and uh, yeah, it was rad. So we sold the Showtime and then they just couldn't. We were just too early. They didn't like we'd come in there. It was rad, man. It was all like it was Dago Luna, it was Tara Duncan, this woman who now runs a uh, network called Onyx, uh, African American woman. Lisa's obviously Asian. Um, it was just this rad team. Uh, then Diego, obviously, who's like you know Latino, and with a bunch of white execs. And I'd swear they'd I'd 
swear they wanted to squeegee the couch once we left. Like things have changed Jeez. so much in the last several years. It was like yeah. a different feeling. Um, then now they're like, oh, please come in, please come in. Let us like diversity is hot right now. Yeah, all right. <laughs> We're still going to keep you in a little box. We're just going to dust that little box off and show it to everyone so we can clap ourselves on the back to wow. see how diverse we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that didn't go. Rad showed up a couple things. Rule of the Bone, this old book. There's going to be this great punk rock story. Do Hulu didn't go. Um, and then the Minds thing came up. And, uh, and I hadn't watched Sons of Anarchy because, as you know, our world is very parallel with that world. And my mm-hmm. best friend was one of the first to go into that world from the punk rock scene. Right? Yeah. And that now that's a very clear avenue and a bunch of my other friends all went in and I'd seen what had happened. Not it happened. It just it was a very, I'd seen how their lives had evolved and there's still people, you know, that I love. We just, we just very different paths. Yeah. And so I wasn't interested in watching it being not glorified on TV, right. but I'm just like, yeah, these dudes don't look like Charlie Hunnam. I'm like, come on, be crazy. Don't be crazy. Yeah. And, uh, it's too pretty. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> my friends Shout out aren't to attractive, him. But yeah. Shout out to him. We see him all the time at Runyon. He always says, what's up? He's always He's a really rad dude. at Runyon, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. He, when I came on with this, he was the first. I got to see him again the other day, but uh, um, he was the first. He was so chill. He's a really, he's a stand-up dude. Okay. He's a real stand-up dude. Seems and not like everybody it. was from that world. You know what I mean? And he's always, he's like a really grounded. Yeah, he's a really good dude. Uh, anyway, so then this came up and everyone's going to meet with Kurt Sutter. And um, I just knew that he called people cunt on his Twitter. Like, you know, all, like the crazy stuff. Okay. And I'd never met him before. And a bunch of people were coming in and I'm like, I'm, this is never going to work. And I sat down with him like, oh, man, I'm like, this is I'm the wrong guy to make this TV show. So the show was already happening. They knew they they knew they wanted to do something in Mayans. That's all they knew. They wanted to do something off the Mayans. They just know what it was going to be. OK. And he needed another writer. And it, OK. And it had already been going on. Nothing had happened. No, hadn't happened no, yet. Nothing he, had happened yet. So he okay. sat down with the execs, like, "Hey, we should do the mines." Okay. Yeah. And uh, this guy Eric Schreier is like his idea. Actually, you should go do the mines. And then, um, like, okay, well, let me find someone to write with. Okay. And uh, and he met with a shit ton of people. And then I rolled in, and I was like, uh, "I'm the wrong person to tell this show." You know what I mean? <laughs> and again, I'm like going more nervous about that. Like going into Fox or these studios, like always makes me feel so sick to this day. Mm. I'm and. Uh, just say like not your world, man. It's not it's your world, exactly. Right. Yeah. And I remember when we were, I'll jump back to this, I swear, but like to jump ahead a little bit, when I finally got the game, we people, I was then interviewing people to come write on it with me. And there was a dude that came on, and I was trying to explain to him, like, oh, man, because you saw me get a little bit lost. I'm like, yo, bro, I hate it here. It makes my stomach hurt to come in here. And he's like, oh, no. He's like, you got to own that. We deserve to be here. This is our place now. This is our time. You got to deserve to be here. And it kind of, and it rubbed me really wrong. And I'm like, you know, so I'm distracted. I'm like, yo, is that my ego? Cause that's how we stay. I mean, that's how I stay square is always check myself first. Yeah. 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 I've known my first thing like to punch this person in the face. I'm like, oh, it's just my ego. That's my feelings are hurt. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's why growing up seeming, uh, so violent. It was just literally my friends are saying, just hypersensitive. Like you yeah. don't look me in the eye when you shake my hand, like, fuck you, man. You hurt my feelings, but I'm going to fucking smash your face in. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure this out. And then I'm thinking like, one, I didn't hire the dude, but also I was just like, because I don't ever want to do like that. I don't right. want to feel like, oh, this is home, this is it, I made it. Like, fuck that. These are mm-hmm. different worlds, man. Um, so anyway, to that point, I go in with Kurt, say all this stuff. I'm like, yo, I joined a gang because uh, I was scared. I was scared as a little kid. I was fucking terrified of the world. I had nervous tics when I was a little kid. Um, I was just so fucking horrified. The world was very violent. My house was not a safe place for me to be or for my mother to be. And so I... I got tattoos before everyone got tattoos. So people would say on the other side of the fucking street, all the mm-hmm. normal people, I'm terrified of normal fucking people. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> like we started working out doing steroids and all these things. We were kids 
so you would stay over there. The normal people would stay over on their side of the street, be scared to see me because really I'm just fucking scared of everything. And then talking about what we talked about of like finally not being safe in your own homes yeah. then finding brothers you're actually safe with. Totally. And in a punk rock scene, hardcore scene, brothers and sisters you finally feel safe with. Yeah. And um, that's what it really was and the power of wearing those initials, et cetera. And he's like, well, that's why you should tell this story. And I was like, yeah, man. Like, I don't know. I always said that I wouldn't tell tell a story to glorify it and uh and then we went away we had to come back he did a second round and in the second meeting he was just like yeah i think it's just you i'm not gonna see anybody else it's just as you and i was like oh fuck okay damn i guess like this is gonna happen now Mm -hmm. and i went and i pitched this to the network and my version of it and we had a couple things that he said there should be a character and he's a prospect and that's our way in Mm -hmm. and that was basically all the parameters and so I worked it all out. I came in, I pitched it. I talked about my dead friends. My friend Bobby had, uh, was the first person to ever tell me that he loved me as a male, mm-hmm. um, had just passed away. He just committed suicide. So I was really fucked up over that. Um, I'd recently lost another friend, Shabo. So just talking about my dead friends in this pitch. And like, this is a show we got to do about consequences. Like every day I've suffered the consequences of what I've done. And even if it's not physical, definitely the emotional toll. Yeah. The emotion of like, you know, if, as having a child and having an amazing child is, as fucking max it's just like sometimes it's hard to be present that you don't deserve the good stuff even these beautiful moments you have you think about the people that aren't there and you just feel like fuck man i don't deserve it i don't want to touch their purity with this darkness that i have um so i pitched that and they're like that's let's make that show and then (laughs) wow i went off to write that pilot and no one's ever heard that no one's ever read that pilot because i think what kurt wanted and the network really wanted was to be Let's play it safe. Let's have a bridge. Just make kind of like, and it ended up being, everyone would say we don't want to be the Brown Sons of Anarchy, but the first two seasons were the Brown Sons of Anarchy. Mm-hmm. And, and it must be so confusing for people who watch the show and fans because when season three, when I finally actually got the reins, it became yeah. a very different show. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So I feel sorry for some people like who fucking hate it now. And I almost fell off from watching it because of that. Really? Yeah. I, I, almost felt wrong, I almost fell off watching the first two seasons. Yeah. We, we were talking about yeah, this. Yeah. I wasn't I was into like, it. Mm. That's so and, funny. And I wa- there was something I wanted to love about it, right. but it wasn't really pulling me in yeah. yet. But I was still like, all right, I'm going to. I'm gonna keep going, but you're right. It was completely different. Yeah. It was but like the yeah, it was like the A team. In some ways, it was like we joke about it. And like one of the actors came up to me. He's just like, "Yo, do I have a one of the main actors? Um, hey, do I have a family? Do I have kids? Where do I live? This is season two. I'm like, oh, bro, wow. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I don't know. We don't know. We're not like so season season three. three. So we know all the, the characters. The, yeah, yeah, I mean, you you got the full range. Like, what do you like? Yeah. Before you weren't a hundred percent. No, I mean, I was like co-creator. I think I think half the people didn't. Okay. Yeah, I was a co-creator. I was a co-executive producer, then executive producer the second season. Okay. I think there's some people didn't even know what I did. I know that like the first when we first started. <laughs> there's this one, this dude, bro. Shout out to Tyler, man. He's like a he's a teamster, and it was his first day, and it was a pilot. And then the production designer, we're all we couldn't. Me and the production designers from Mexico couldn't go over the border just because of legal reasons. Mm-hmm. And so we were all in this car driving from Glasgow all the way to the board of Tecate. No one knew who, they didn't know who I was. They didn't know I was <laughs> technically the boss. We had the best fucking conversation and we've been close ever since. It was just so rad. Like wow. I'd be able to know who I was. Well, this, it wouldn't, yeah. Okay. So I didn't, and we'd write stuff and I do everything I could to help Kurt and helps Kurt's vision. Right. But I could never write that show. It's not even like good or bad. I could never write what happened in the first two the, seasons. Kurt was the writer? Kurt was the writer, okay. yeah. So we, we he, anarchy too. Yeah, you have the writer's room, but basically what happens is usually the showrunner ends up like writing everything. Like I People see. write it, and then he takes it, and he writes it you know, the way that he saw it envisioned. Okay. 
So there was a real disconnect, and I never finished season two. I never finished season two of my own show. Like I was so wow. I was like, this is not I, this is not what I wanted to do, and I wanted to be a fucking. I came to make art, man. Yeah. And it was really weird when it started. I remember being like, because the stuff that we're into. H2O has done really well. You guys have actually sold a lot of records for our, for our culture, right? You guys have done really typically more than any other hardcore band, which is awesome because you guys have worked so fucking hard and you have. But for the most part, what we do is for a very limited number of people. The things you yeah. love, most people aren't into. It becomes really special. Yeah. Right. Then other people get into it and you're like, ah, fuck it. You ruined that now. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> True. So it was weird. <laughs> That's all I knew. Little Birds I Love five people saw little birds but it had a huge impact on my life because it became like steven merchant who i do the show the outlaws with yeah. you know what i mean the right yeah. people saw it and were moved by it so i didn't know what i was going to do if i had i don't know how to operate in mainstream and a big thing all i knew is to do what i do mm-hmm. so that's what it is season three uh was ours there's the dp i mentioned earlier vanessa joy smith and she's just a camera operator on her on it earlier the first two seasons I'm like, yeah, one day this is going to be ours <laughs> and then if you watch season three there's a little bit of a bridge you know what I mean? They didn't trust us. Right. They didn't trust us. And there's a producer, director, Michael Dinner, great dude. And there's another DP. And they had 70 years of experience between them. They didn't really trust me and Vanessa. But it was really episode five, you see flashes of us. But episode six, we stopped shit, broke it all open, and we just turned into a small art house film that the network hated. But that's where we found it. And I'm mm. like, that first day, I'm like, yo, they got 70 years experience. God bless them. We got an hour experience, bro. And we're killing it. <laughs> and, uh, and it became our show. That's what I mean. Like, she's my creative fucking life partner. And we became, and that's when we started to really know who these people were. And I loved all these actors. And I was so close with them that I wanted them to be able to show what they were going to be able to, what they could do. Yeah. Right. I thought after every season that that was going to be the end. So we have so many storylines. People, when they criticize for that, they ain't wrong. We have a lot of storylines. Um, we're at the probably the limits of what you could have the storylines and still be able to pay attention to what the fuck's happen. Yeah. Well aware. But these are my fucking people. These are my brothers and sisters, and I'm going to show the world what the fuck they can do. Yeah. And they all killed it. And all I told, killed it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Season three, JD, Pardo, and I, the lead, were just like, we t- told everyone, like, yo, this is it. Like, you're on the fucking train. If you can't hang up with the train, the train's going to run right the fuck over you. And because we we knew something was happening at the end of season three, we could kill everybody off. But everybody killed it. Everyone showed up. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh man, damn, we gotta invent new characters to kill now. We gotta keep all these people. Dude, <laughs> there's so many fucking characters. And this the character development is is phenomenal. You know, yeah. like it, it really you feel that it makes sense now when you watch the series from the first season to now mm-hmm. that this this change definitely happened. Right. And you, I, I think. The characters are are so much more developed now. Mm. You know, like you really get a better sense of everyone. Like yeah. everyone, you're like, wow, you really feel their pain or yeah. what they're going through. Yeah. And, and then this last season, the season's happening now is right. just Insane, off man. the hook. Yeah, it's like every episode, like <laughs> what? It's like such a dark place. Yeah, for this season, I'm like, yeah. oh my god, and just even the artwork for it. I'm yeah, like, the oh, new sh- intro, everything, yeah. music, all like, that. Yeah, I'm like, cut out all the other like <laughs> corny kind of stuff they had in the first season. Yeah, yeah. second, I was like. Now we're like, but no spoilers. But we are caught up, me and you. Yeah, we're extremely caught up. Oh my god, and it's people fucking like I'm like, I gotta, I I can't watch the next episode. Like, I don't know where this is going. Right, which is a great feeling, you know, when you're watching a story. You're like, oh my god, this can go in so many different fucking directions. (laughs) But it's just so off the chain. Like, it just feels like it's like ah, like really like just going (laughs) in a crazy direction. Like. Yo, it's like, how is this shit going to stay together? Like, you yeah. want, these guys are 
damaged in yeah, so many ways yeah, where you're yeah. like rooting. It must be That's sad right. and hard with relationships with these actors and actresses. Yeah. Uh, like when when they have to like gone off the show. Yeah. You know what I mean? It must be a hard like it on the set that be. day. Right. It is. And in general, knowing up to it and I told them all before I, usually every season I get together and I tell them what's gonna happen in this season. Oh you do? Yeah. Okay. Oh wow. So yeah. I figure it's like a movie because usually actors don't know. So they yeah. they're Yo, you're lost. gone this yeah. episode Yeah, you're probably wow. gonna die. So <laughs> Yeah. And this is how and it's uh, uh oh. Yeah, so they know going into it. So it's more of like a film for them. They know what to play so they don't they don't start playing something different I in see. the scenes, they know what's gonna happen. Um, but yeah, it's it is real really emotion tough. too, probably yeah. knowing that this is my last scene or whatever too. So like, right? Yeah. We said yeah, something. So. We said something really, really special on the set. And it's easy for me to say. That I wish I wish we'd done this earlier. So you guys could come visit the set. Oh yeah. Oh my god. It's like <laughs> anyone who comes to visit our set is just like, or even actors are like, this is magic. Doesn't happen anywhere else because it's like we're all doing. It's like we're all on tour together. Mm-hmm. There's so much love. Every year we've gotten more and more asshole free. Like everyone says that we went through something like forty something first ads, just fire people on the spot. Wow. We had one wow. that brought out all of the uh, extras because it's so rad. There's people from the culture want to be part of the culture, right? And they, this one AD lined up all these background women to let the actors choose which one they'd go with. And I was like, what, what? the fuck is this? I'm like, what? everyone's going to bitch about because you're brown, the world's against you. Imagine being a woman of color. Right. You know what I mean? So that dude got fired on the fucking spot. There's another dude who talked shit, uh, talked down to um, one of our stand-ins. He didn't realize that the stand-ins are fucking family. The stand-ins are like, we've been together with them forever. So yeah. she, we're the one set where then she can tell JD and JD tell I go to her. I'm like, what happened? And then that dude's fired by the end of the night. Like, we just keep it wow. so asshole-free, so rad. I love that, man. Yeah. So it's, and cause then we need to let the actors do their best work because it is really dark. It's super, super dark. dark. And yeah. you were saying that some of the people aren't actors. Yeah. And this is, I love this. You can see some real cats you and can I can see tell. Some real yeah. characters. And, and even though they aren't, I, I love that because they had this also in, in series that I really liked was also The Wire. Like, oh, yeah. I love The cat. Wire, dude. And yeah. it just, I mean, it's just like, I don't know. It's just like, I, I love their. How real? Yeah, yeah authentic you know, it is. A- authentic. Yeah, there's a rawness. Yeah. There's a rawness. Yeah. yeah. Besides, I see my friends in there, different people. Yeah. Even our friend Katie. My friend yeah, Katie yeah. was like a squatter girl. She yeah. killed her. Oh yeah, she killed yeah. it. I, I know. Like, Yo, that Mexican. Everybody's in there, man. Yeah, exactly. Loki, like, yeah, because they're gonna do, especially with that. It was like it's kind of like a CM Punk. Yes, yeah, kills it. Kills it, dude. <laughs> I'll wait to see this season and this next episode that's okay. coming up. Episode eight, he kills it. Feels such a great dude. I know she made. I know it's like, but yeah, and Katie. But it's another thing of like, oh, if we're gonna show our culture, because we find different ways of have it embed it in I'm our culture. It. Yes, man. and then finding ways of like, oh, let's bring the real deal. Let's have yeah. fucking Katie Ellison. You know what I mean? Like, let's have like, it's just cool. And even Mike like, DC. Yeah, Mike DC. It's like, yeah, it's so rad. The sweetest dude in the world. All of a sudden, like, <laughs> uh, you know, dressed up as like a biker. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's right. We created like a really special. And it took a lot of work, but really special. Right. So it is, it is, but it is time. It's talk about being, again, to go back to being straight edge. It's like, to me, straight edge has always been about having freedom, mm-hmm. right? So when I was in prison, to go back to that, everyone else was fucked up on their addiction, fucked up on this, fucked up on even their crime addiction. How am I going to get over? I was free. I was only worried about making art. And yeah. so to hear, it's the same way of like every season, are we going to get picked up? We're going to get picked up. And do we do well in our ratings? Where are we? And all this mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so I realized we went into season four. I'm like, I know with my partner at the time is my co-EP, Debbie. We figured out the very ending, the last scene. And I'm like, all right, so we just do one more season and then that's it. So I went to tell the studio and I'm like, yeah, we're just doing one more season. Like, well, can you do two more? Can we go up to six? 
Um, and I'm like, nah, man. And we tried to think about it for a while, and I'm just like, nah, man, I can't. I'll just become a shittier show. It'll become a weaker show. I respect that, man. Yeah, so, and that's what I thought. I'm like, you know what? Everyone's going to be bummed to get out of the job, but the studio's going to really respect me as an artist. Fucking no. <laughs> They're like, what you, <laughs> idiot? Then all the actors are like, "You're what do you mean no? Like, where's my paycheck's going to go? But as fans, I respect, because you don't want to yeah. drag it out either. No, 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 no dude. I mean? And we like, would have. We would have. Yeah. Even if it's like, we would have. There's a tempo to it. We know. We've always been going to this one thing. Um, yeah, so we just knew it's out. And there's a freedom in that. If I never work again, like, fuck it. I did shit on my own terms. We did shit on our own terms. And I don't want to be looking back again to this. So like, oh, that's the most interesting thing I did, which was yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to go do some other fucking shit, make some more cool stuff. Shout out to Gino, too. Was yeah, Gino kid. killed it, dude. Yeah, we kid. wrote that for Gino. Like Gino, yeah, I was trying to get Gino in to be in part of the MC. He, he wow. read for everyone, read for Angel, read for everything, all the, all the Creeper, read for everyone. <laughs> And then the uh, his character Nestor was supposed to be like an like an Asian man in his uh, in his sixties, <laughs> and then so rewrote that shit for Gino. I'm like, hey, what about remember Gino? And then uh, did some Jedi mind trick, and then yeah, and that became that became Gino. But there's I love working, for, you know, Frankie. Frankie loyal like, man, Frankie's love him, best homie. dude, he's legit homie. dude. And yeah, see what he's done. He's he got his shot, and he's man, killed he's it. He's so good. And he doesn't realize, I told him this later, because he, he busted his ass. I think he talked about it on your podcast. Yeah. He tried to get on the show. Mm-hmm. But I was coming in, a bunch of people come in, I saw his black flag tattoos. I'm like, oh, that dude's tired. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even have to be good, and he is good. I'm lucky, but I'm like, I saw his, I saw his bars, and I'm like, oh, that bro's, I, I need it. It's all all connected, man. So I love yeah. that shit, man. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a real one, too, man. really stepped up. Man. Yeah. Who, who, Hank? Yeah, Hank Ooh. is just like, the emotion that comes out in the... It's just so real, you know. Show his mom right now. Yeah. yeah. And when he when four oh one, we had that big battle scene, right? Because I didn't think we were gonna oh, be picked yeah. up for four. So we ended on three with everyone at the gate. Yeah, I was like, dude, yeah. I was like, this is what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, everyone's like, how's it gonna end? Or what's gonna happen? I'm like, I have no idea, man. I'm like, if I get picked up, I'll figure it out. But I'm like, kind of. So crazy. that was crazy. Yeah. That was yeah. crazy. What about James Edward almost? Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. 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 American me, bro. Yeah. Yeah, his stories are off the fucking. Yeah. I'm sure his stories that he tells. Oh yeah, yeah, he's yeah so and he's a great. It's so I mean, weird now that he is Edward James almost because we just call him Eddie. Uh huh. And you forget sometimes he's just Eddie. You know what I mean? He's like he's most so chill, nice, grounded man. dude. Um, he just he's, he's yeah, he's the best. You're literally working with an icon every day. Right. Yeah. yeah and absolutely. not to make it about race, but there are times when you'd be like, oh, this dude wasn't brown. He would be even bigger. You know what I mean? Like he is such a, there's other actors from his era who may be as good or not as good. And Edward James almost is still a legend to us, but some people you say Edward James almost, they don't know the fuck you're talking about. They don't. A lot of other actors are like, oh, Al Pacino, of course, you know, whoever else. Oh man, they know him in South America. Yeah. I did a photo with him at the airport and I was like, hey, He's so nice. I took the photo and then <laughs> a million like Brazilians oh, like, yeah, shit. that's hard. Like, that's no, right. You're that's right. With him? I was like, not really. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice. See, I nice seeing him in there. It was nice when he would start being on this great man. Yeah, yeah. Emilio is such a rad dude. They've been there's those people like that, like Eddie and Emilio, like who kicked open doors, and then there are people that have kept the door open for everybody else. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, so I said Emilio all the time. We wouldn't even have the show if it wasn't for the work that Emilio did on Sons to humanize this character. They may not have always been written to be humanized. Yeah. Right. Right. And a lot of the things that happened in Sons because it's a very different. Kurt's a very different writer. Kurt's obviously a legend as a writer. You know what I mean? And I can't touch that, but there's that Sutter voice, which is rad. And that's what I mean. I could never do what we did in one and two. Cause it's like, there's like a flippancy. 
to yeah. it. And that's his voice, and that's right, and that's crazy. And you watch those shows, and you watch those, like, oh, shit, oh, fuck, I can't believe that happened. <laughs> and I just see the world through a much fucking sadder prism, you know what I right, mean? Right. And a melancholy. So I'm like, oh, so Coco killed his mom in Terrible. season one. <laughs> And then it was just some jokes about it, right? This season one, maybe even two. I'm no, that sure. was in two. Was it two? Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I love Coco. I was like, where? I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I love his character, man. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck, but then in three, he's got to pay the price for that. Oh, yes. yeah. You know what I mean? And then Richie's such a phenomenal actor and taking being close or using his own personal stuff. And then we create some fucking art with that. So I could never have done the first thing. That Kurt did great, but that's what I mean. It must be some whiplash for people. Yeah. There's other people we say don't watch the first two episodes. I mean, the first two it's seasons. Yeah, 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 you could yeah. step in. And, just step in. Yeah. And we did a really You're long trailer right. just because it was such a seismic shift. Yeah. And it's not a did this the first two. It's just like, I don't think this has ever happened. It's just a completely different fucking show. Absolutely. Yeah, you're, killing, you're absolutely killing it. And it, it was a crazy pressure to, to do that, become the main... Like, yeah, but I think gone? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, but I think it's the same way with us. You just you just you just do it. Just do right, it. You know, right. there's a pressure definitely, but it's the same thing of being like, if this house was on fire right now, I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, we're used to terrible things happening. Let's yeah. fucking work this out. Yeah. So the same way, like, <laughs> and do the actors feel this shift? You know, yeah, are they 100%. happier? Like, oh, oh yeah, man, that's a good I question. Love my my character. Yeah, because they got to know their characters. I see. You know what I mean? They right. yeah. No, I think they. I don't want to talk out of line for them, but yeah, there is a there's a seismic shift kind of like all around. Again, not to diss what had happened before. It just became no. very, very different. Yeah. yeah and they got to flex what they could do. You know yes. what I mean? And they and got some, feel they all got the yeah. shine, man. All yeah. of them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. we, in the end, so I mean, you have Joseph Lucero who plays Creeper, who yes. crazy. He's like a real one. He's a, you should have him on the show. He's fucking rad, dude. He's been through, he's been through it for real. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was a very complex character yeah. with that girl that oh, yeah. the, the yeah. relationship was like, so, yo. So and that girl that who plays the woman who, uh, Katie McNeil, originally Cody, the undercover ATF agent, she, I'm out here, I'm trying to make Little Birds, see her, it's up with her and Juno Temple, ended up starring in Little Birds, right? But Amazing. their chemistry was through the roof. And I was like, ah, oh, it's almost too good a chemistry because it has to be the breakup of this relationship. Otherwise, it's going to seem like a Larry Clark film where you're waiting to make out or something. That's not yeah. what the movie we're making here. <laughs> And so she didn't get the role after coming back like three or four times. So then I had lunch with her to explain why. Like, your shit was just too good. That's why we didn't hire you. So we stayed friends. She blew up in this movie, The Runaways. Yep. So she was in The That's Runaways right. with Dakota uh, Fanning mm-hmm. and... Uh, um, I can't remember. Kristen... I per- How am I not remembering her name? Oh, yeah, now? Kristen Stewart. Uh, Stewart. Kristen Stewart, yeah. amazing yeah. too, yeah. Yeah, amazing. And uh, um, so she, she was 19, 18, 19 years old. Her world had just blown up. She just made it. I know what she did like in every two weeks. She sat down and wrote her friend a, long, a prison in longhand to send to me in prison. Wow. Like when you're 19 or 18 and everything's happening for you and your head's going all these different different directions. That's amazing, man. She sat down and she's like a straight homie forever. So I've been waiting to work for, with her wow. until that could happen. And she killed it. And to give her, her, I mean, she's done a lot of great work. She's done the show Magicians and other stuff. That's um, awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, she's like a homie for real. So there's a lot of that. J.R. Bourne, who plays Isaac, who's such an incredible actor. He's elevated Isaac. us in such a way. The guy who ran Meth Mountain and now is like oh, that's great. Oh that's your that's, God, that's your boy that from back east, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, he was in Little Birds. Okay. So put him he's in Little insane. Birds. Yeah, he's, he's a godfather great. of my yeah. child, but it's the same way. I went to the cafe recently, man. He's oh awesome. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really great. I've been there. Yeah, but we have, but we've done something. Um, that I think it's we're great. all really fucking proud of. But it is, it's hard to end. But it's also like right. time. It's time to end, man. It's time to end. Yeah, time to end yeah. the story. Well, was the heart was a heavy for you to, to end it, or you just you felt. It's so crazy to do anyway. Like you're so there's no sleep, there's nothing, and you know having a child. It's also like 
it comes a balance of like I also have like a child who was born during this and now he's two and now not having you know I think some of us who had dads that weren't around or weren't, yeah. like you want to fucking be there have to be there yeah you know what I mean and that's more important than anything so that became part of that part of all that too then there's some yeah. people that understood and people that didn't you know yeah. some people that ask you about your kid when you come to work and then some people that don't because actors are actors but some people like really got that like I got to show up for Billy Jack, I got a show for my kid. What's his name? Yeah, he has a corny. What's his name? Yeah, again? Billy Jack. Billy Jack. Billy no Jack. Way. Remember that movie, I, Billy Jack? I remember uh, there was a TV series. Uh, maybe I'm thinking of like a, a Native American. Yeah, yeah, it was a movie though. But they did like three they or four movies. Movie. Yeah. Oh my that's god. That was my, that's for that character. From that, yeah, because that was Whoa. being a kid, he was a badass, being a black and brown kid in rural Connecticut, watching that came on WPIX 11. Okay. I, I saw yeah. that WPIX. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I was like, oh, getting called nigger and spick every day. Like, where is that? Where is this Billy Jack character? That's what I want to be when I grew up. And then start a gang fight or, you know, join a gang fighting Nazis trying to become Billy Jack. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, and then, yeah, name my son. Billy Jack, Billy Jack James. And how's that? And, and how's that change for? Uh, oh, Chappelle! Somebody, Chappelle is the one telling me how he's not really feeling the first two seasons of the Mayans right now because that's before he took over. Yeah, bro. So, so yeah. Chappelle, you got to no. get through that. To start, you have to get through three. those seasons. Okay. Start on or start at three. Start at three. Want. Start at three. He's like, Forget. yo, Toby hyped all this show for no reason, and I'm yeah. like, no, but it's because <laughs> it's because he takes over. Then after then, I so, love that. I'm a fan of Chappelle and his comedy, but he's not a fan of me. That's fucked up, bro. Oh! That's fucked up, dude. That's yeah, dude, for oh, real. Shit. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's Whatever, awesome, bro. Dude. I mean, not anymore. Now that I met you, and you don't like my show, but. <laughs> so now, now you have to start in season three, then, dude. Just start in season three. He'll explain yeah, stuff yeah. to you. Yeah, we'll explain yeah. it all. Man. Three, and then halfway we'll in three, down. it really kicks. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Break it down. <laughs> how, how, how does that change when you become when you become a dad? That must be and that's all that stuff. When I was about to have a child, when uh, the character Bishop, Shut the door, Max. Yeah, and he was dealing with having lost his child because that was my biggest fear. It's terrifying to become a father. Hell yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean. And like, Pops right there too. Yeah. Really, you know it, man. Yeah. And like, it's fucks. Uh, it's fucked you up, man. And we, it was yeah. So, so that, many emotions. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. It like heals you and breaks you at the same time. Because you say you know you're not really a crier. Yeah, not Does at all. Does that change to become a dad more emotional? No. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. It's funny because JD just did this interview where he was saying that I did. I'm like, yo, bro, I didn't like the last scene. I'm like, yo, that, like, everyone else read it. The Clayton read it. He's like, no, you didn't. What's he talking about? I'm like, I don't want to like not have cried when my kid was born, but that I. <laughs> I bet a lot of those dudes are crying on the mind. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was really, really, it was yeah. really emotional. But, uh, you know, if, no, it, it, it's still, it's scary, man. Having a kid is scary. Just like having a part of you. Um, our stuntman said it once about having a part of you on the outside that someone just come up and fucking slash. It's like when your heart and your outside, someone just come up and fucking yeah, stick man. a knife part in it. So I put that into the script, um, into one of the scripts. But it became, while we were having him or while my wife was pregnant, the fear of it through Irby talking about losing his child. And Michael Irby's son was going to college because he was 18. So he was also going through his own mourning. So yeah, I think Michael Bishop in season three is incredible. So the best acting we've ever had. Um, and then Clayton, who's my boy, became like my surrogate. Of his oh, relationship wow. with Maverick, and then Maverick, it's weird because it's almost like Maverick, Ma- Maverick's uh, who plays uh, Maverick on the Maverick. show. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's uh, yeah, he's like our stand-in for Billy Jack. You know wow. what I mean? Yeah, and so yeah. like their relationship is incredible. And the stuff that uh, Clayton says to him, like the three, two, one, like all these oh, things, yeah, yeah. all the stuff that I do with my son, like all that yeah. stuff he goes into. Yeah. Hello, sir. Like all those things like that. It's, it's rad. Fuck. Wow. Yeah. So it's hard. You were dealing. I think it's a part of all great arts. Like what we do in bands the mm-hmm. same way. It's like we take everything that's like fucked up about us. Right. And tragic and beautiful and hopeful and 
terrified and then we put it into a big pot and then everyone does the same thing and then hopefully you find some alchemy and magic in that. I think we've done that these last three seasons on the show because Clayton's putting his own stuff. J.D. Pardo is putting his own stuff. Yeah. Carla Carla became a who plays Adelita. She was pregnant. She came to me and she was just like, she was at my house. In real life. And yeah, her real husband's life. on the show too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. And uh, yeah, she had to kill him season four right. of the season. Uh, but she was at my house. We're having lunch. And she's like, I need to talk to you. And you know, so we went into a different room. And she was all nervous. And she's just like, I'm pregnant. Because we're about to start shooting in a, in a few months. And I was like, dude, we're going to make you pregnant. That's fucking crazy. So Perfect. She, yeah. So she, there's a shot in the end of three when she's like, fictionally having birth but she just given birth like two weeks before oh wow and she was so she had all that muscle memory so when she's screaming or taking away her child i'm telling her they're ta- I'm in her ear going they're taking away diego they're taking away diego who's a real son oh, wow. so just, yeah. there becomes a lot of this because a lot of trust you can't do that if there's not a lot of love and trust on that show i mean gino talked in the podcast too when he first got his face kind of paralyzed yeah. back then and then coming to tell you that too yeah and how his character like his face changed during the seasons mm-hmm. i don't know if you know that no, I didn't know it was paralyzed. He's got Bell's palsy. Bell's policy, man. Yeah. yeah. And he's, but, it, but now it's just, yeah. I was so scared because he wanted, we were shooting somewhere and he wanted, he's like, I got to talk to you. And um, I was so scared there was something worse. Like mm-hmm. I thought, I could just tell there was something. I was worried about, I was worried about something. I was going to lose my friend. Yeah. So by the time he said what it was, I was just like, oh no, we're good, man. It's good. This is part of it. That's part of like your character. And he yeah. plays and he plays it great. And it actually makes you love him a little bit more because you see, yeah. I mean, anyone else would have just, given up yeah sure you know what i mean yeah what are you working on now like what, what is yeah. your are you taking a break now like what is your moves now we got a bunch can't stop right can't, can't stop, stop won't stop can't stop won't stop so you know hopefully a bunch of people that i'm working with now uh from mines gonna go on with and do some more stuff but we nice. have yeah we have a lot uh we got a lot we got a lot up in the uh, in the works that we're hoping we're hoping will happen has your world totally opened up because of this show and yeah i, th- I think so and i think part of it became like you become just put into a box for a while because that's what happens. You get a little bit of success. I'm like, oh, you're this guy. I'm yeah, like, no, we right. want to do something completely fucking different. Like my first film was the Little like Birds are so girl. different than yeah. mine's. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. And then you do uh, the sensitive stuff. You could do the yeah, because it's all in there. All that pain is in there. All this, yeah, all the violence comes out of pain. All are you going to move away fear. from that? You think with what you're doing with what we're doing? There's it's some some's really far away. Mm-hmm. You know, some's really far away. Um, I have a rad thing I'm doing with Selena Gomez, Ooh. like playing like the. Uh, yeah, she plays this woman, Sylvia, who's amazing. That's um, awesome. Yeah, it was like the first uh, queer woman to climb all the seven summits and stuff. And just oh, like, wow. she some real trauma. So, so just things That's like awesome. that. And there's like a bunch of other stuff you don't want to say. Because if, if like you look back, I had a musical I was going to do with Pharrell. What? Yeah, and all these things. And you're like, those things just die. And then you're like, oh, shit, I talk about them. You yeah, Google that shit, comes up. You don't right. talk about it. So yeah. I'm like, yo, I can't talk about shit because then it's never going to happen. So but you, yeah, we got, you, a bunch, you, we got a bunch rolling. And you're nice. meeting so many different kinds of people now, actors and stuff, like all, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the world does, this is the thing with this town, the industry. There's a lot of people trying to do shit, but most people are lying. When I first got here, you go on so many fake meetings. You know what I mean? Uh, fake lunches. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fake lunches. <laughs> so many fake lunches, bro. Yeah. And yeah. then, uh, and then, there's really just a few hundred people actually working no matter what it is from executive to actually making stuff. Right. So then you're just in it. And then once you do, you realize all this connectivity. Yeah. And they're just people that you don't have to work with. Like my thing that's become hard is I had uh, a feature that we've had a couple bigger names like actors on and then the power dynamics all fucked up. Right. And usually actors aren't always that interesting. We have really interesting actors on our show. They're yeah. usually not because they've grown up in a bubble and they're adored. Mm. Right. 
and even before they got here, they still had symmetrical faces. They still had, they'd still get treated differently in the world. It's like my wife has a completely different experience in life than I do. You yes. know what I mean? Right. Yeah, and she yeah. has no idea about it. Um, <laughs> so I got really burnt on that. You know what I mean? And uh, so just knowing who to avoid, there's a lot of people to avoid in this town. Okay. And to never the punk rock never put yourself in a position where you have to do something you know what i mean yeah, I so yeah that. we got cool stuff we got we got our family we found that tribe that's all we've been doing why we got into punk rock why we were all in our different places even the three of us totally separate not feeling like we fit in and then there's some little germ of something some song you heard some record and all the brothers shared fucking skating no matter what it is that led us into this tribe so i've been lucky to find that same thing here yeah it's fucking is there somebody you like love to work with that like, I would love yeah, to work with. Yeah, dream actor or something. Yeah, it's all like people like Kate Winslet or something. Okay. You know okay. I mean? oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, or you look back, like how cool they've done something with Jack Lemon, who's gone. Like wow. you'd think it'd be like Robert De Niro, right. but just like, I want to do something like more surprising. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was just like, there's, we have Dana Delaney on our show, who's like incredible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then we have Ray McKinnon on our show. There's just something of an ilk of these people that are just like fucking monsters. But I don't know, I'm just trying to find, you know, Juno and I started together. Um, she's killed it, you know, she's out killed it. it, and just rad, but is you're just finding your cohorts, man. I'm just trying to find family. I'm trying to find that person that will also bleed for you yeah. on screen. And I was lucky to find so many people. That's why there's so many fucking storylines in the minds. So many <laughs> Cause I found, yeah, I found dozens of people who will. Right? Reason yeah. to fall and you fall in love with all the characters, you know yeah. what I mean? Like that's what yeah. I love about it. Some people, some shows don't have that. You know, like, who is that person? True. In the background, but they always you you bring them forward. And everybody has a time to shine. Even Loki and people like that really don't talk that much. Yeah. Like Mexi right. in, in the last couple. Of yeah. Episodes, oh, I Mexi knew he was like, going down. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that was I'm that was by, that was by, that was by popular demand. That was just like <laughs> there's like a GoFundMe. Like, no, just kidding. I was like, just oh, kidding, he's, Loki. He's, he's going down. <laughs> that was the, yeah. Just seeing your friends and well, there, just everything. Dude, look, yeah. I mean, Loki and I. You know, came out here similar time, right? Yeah. He was out here with EK and he was, I mean, sorry, Isaac. Um, <laughs> shout out uh, to Isaac, yes. Shout out to Isaac. Shout out to EK. Yes. Um, as well. They, uh, but they, uh, uh, but we're talking about this because he wanted to act. He wanted to do shit. You know yeah. what I mean? And to then be able to be like, yo, I'm doing this thing, bro. Come do this thing with me. It's cool. cool. Yeah, man. And I remember I got my hands on this script a long time ago before it ever came out. So I was like, hey, they're doing this the thing about bikers. And this one day in the HBO one, they're doing the same time. And someone had given it to me. So I still have the email where I sent it to Loki. <laughs> hey, wow. bro, you'd be perfect for this. I wasn't even involved in it. You know what I mean? So it was really, awesome. yeah. Wow. So it was really rad to be able to do that with friends and to fly yeah. friends, bring in Eric Curry, Paul Cape Cod, have Eric Scandalous, the bait of my existence. All, all, you, but all, your, but all your friends with it's awesome. Yeah, it's right. That, it's man. family and it's real. It's real. It's amazing, man. Like it's so inspiring. Like your whole life, man. It's awesome, mm. man. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Well, you too, bro. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like we were just in some shitty fucking small club somewhere in a van a couple decades ago, and then like. We had some dreams and we made some shit happen. We're still Taunt making mass, shit happen. Man. Taunt yeah. mass, man. Yeah. Taunt For me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any uh, major regrets in your life? Uh, Yeah, everything. Everything I just said for the last okay. three hours. Cool. Just All like, right. yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, there's some people just like, oh, everything happens for a reason. I don't regret anything. Like, I'm not one of those people. I'm like, yo, I wish that I was out here 30 years ago making fucking stuff. Yeah. How cool would that be? Yeah. You know what I mean? To not have all this and not have to carry this body bag of fucking damage around and shame it's the thing with shame and i know we're wrapping up but it's like i think whatever is wrong with you if anyone wants to do something whoever's listening and i know a lot of people listen um (laughs) 
whatever you think is the thing you want to hide the most is your fucking superpower. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yes. the thing that you're most ashamed of is your fucking superpower. And it took me a long time to realize that. So shame is actually the greatest fucking thing. Cause that's what separates at least what I've done here is it's everything I've tried to hide from my friends for all those years. Everything, all these journals that I never shared. Yeah. It's all that, you know what I mean? This pain and be able to talk about that and talk about fear and how afraid I was of the world and people. So, um, and what, I think coming from punk rock, what you're able to do, because also, I mean, I made my first movie when I was 40. Yeah. Like, you're long gone. Expiration date is fucking way over. Like, you're a fucking loser. And to not listen to that shit is maybe the most punk thing. Like, yo, you can do it no matter what. 65, fucking do something. If you're 12, fucking do something. And I think that, again, to go back to why social media drives me crazy sometimes is because you think you're doing something. You think you're doing something in your profile. You think you're connecting with all these people, these things, but you're fucking not. Mm-hmm. You can be digitally erased, fucking start a band, yeah. fucking make yeah. a fanzine, write a book, fucking do whatever you want, become a chef, whatever, just do fucking shit in the real world. Yeah, I love that. I used to, I used to listen to new music, like new hardcore and stuff, oh, yeah. keep, keep a track of all that. Totally, there's so much good stuff, man. There's it's, stuff it's, that, it's crazy. It's crazy. Man. It's like almost better now than when we were around. You know what I mean? There's a lot of it, and there's a lot of, to not, to not erase the people of color and the women who are part of the scene forever because they fucking made shit happen. Yes. But you know what it's like. You know what it's like to be at a show and be like, it was me and my friend Jamil. And sometimes our friend Chris was at the show. You know what I mean? And everyone else was white. And then now that's very different. Yeah. Totally different. And these bands that are very different. And there's so many fucking great bands that are coming out and like women-fronted bands, like female-fronted bands and Torso's are my favorite bands. There's so so much great shit happening right now. Torso? Torso, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That song, Grab a Shovel, I'll put up against anything on fucking Age of Quarrel. That song gets me. Wow. That's why it's on the show. Okay, okay. Hands, I'll throw it down right now. Call up, call up JJ right now. I'll fucking <laughs> tell him about it, bro. Yeah, call that Je- Gel, Scow, so many bands, yeah, Drain. Dude, too. Fucking Fame, all these, so many fucking, there's so much and, and great shit like happening. a young, cool generation oh, yeah. of hardcore yeah. bands around the whole entire, it. the whole planet, man. Yep, yeah. Like Speed's from Australia, like one of the biggest hardcore bands right now from Melbourne. It's wild, man. It's, it's wild. Just, it's great. And I love seeing it because I was never, we we were never, I mean, you were like gatekeepers and right. old heads, like that's not hardcore, that's it. Like, yeah, yeah. I love it all, man. I, totally, I love it exactly. all, man. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, and I think that was something even earlier, I think in the 80s where it was all of it, you know what I mean? And then it became much more closed-minded in the 90s and stuff. Hell but yeah. fuck that. It's all of it, dude. It is. It's fucking, it's great. There's so much rad shit happening. I think it's really, really inspiring. And in some ways, it's the... We're delivering on the promise of what we always said was going to happen is like, you know, rock right. together, rock together, like all that stuff like that. Now that's yeah, just really yeah. fucking True. happening. True. You know? I agree. And a lot of the lyrics that we said, like even MDC, mm-hmm. even Chrome yeah. stuff they were yep. singing about back then is happening now. Oh, yeah. And we're Absolutely. living it and seeing it. It's fucking crazy, man. Mm-hmm. We knew we knew all that shit a long time ago. We did, man. And it took the world to catch up to us. And then, you know, when you're down with the, the uh, everything's happening in 2020, you're out in the street and all these people have these ACAP signs and stuff like that. <laughs> And the, you know, <laughs> fucking singing like uh, millions of dead cops lyrics, chanting them and not knowing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The war, no KKK, no fascist. You believe? It's just fucking crazy. You have no idea where this came from. Plus, we were fucking light years ahead of you. I remember getting busted yeah. at 18. Yeah. Like, yeah. Kind of mafia and all after you. So good. So dude, good. Right? Still good, dude. That shit still, I can play that and that will make me want to punch people in the face. We played oh, play in the man. car and we sing along yeah. to it all the time, like on hiking and shit. It's on my playlist. Because yeah. you feel seen and the whole reason why we make bands or make art is stuff like that. We all heard MDC and felt seen. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? There's films you saw that made you feel seen and you can't do it because of that, but you do it what's inside you and then there's nothing better in the world than people feel seen when they see your art. Right. Yeah. And I think you said something that was super important that I think a lot of artists sometimes forget is to be vulnerable, to be able yeah. to open yourself up and to yeah. show those things. Yeah. And you may necessarily 
have a fear of, you know, and, and to be able to do that, you know, that's what makes it so honest. And I think that people can relate to and grasp onto, you know, as art, right. you know, mm. like as an artist, whatever it is that you're doing, you know, but that's something that's, you know, I, it's not really taught. I don't know. It's something I had to learn, you know, and it, it was something that evolved over time to like, to be open with all these feelings and put yeah, that out, you yeah. know, and it, it can change so much. That's why I think it's, and it's scary, bro. It's, but it's scary. It's scary. Dude. Right. It's scary. But for him, I, I think it's very therapeutic to get all that right. stuff out, all the stuff you've been through and you're oh, writing yeah. and expressing and these different characters, you know what I mean? It's, it must be therapeutic for you. Yeah. Cause I think what's fucked up with this, we have two routes. We can either like, make shit worse you know right. what I mean right. <laughs> or you become an artist and make it better and use right. it it's fuel inside you it yeah. leads you the other way and I'm so great when bad things happen man it's just like my brother Jocko is famous for something bad happens it was good <laughs> right? yeah good but it is good man it's hard to make a fucking film uh, if you're a person of color if you're queer it's not good because you gotta be better than everybody else mm -hmm. I fully fucking believe in that well, I want to try to you know balance the scales for everyone Fuck that. It's good that where we come from, we've had to come and fight harder than everybody else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's fucking rad. That's that's good. Yeah. So just don't fucking, that just means we're going to be better and just don't stop fucking working. Yeah, I love that. I, I'm excited to see what you do next, man. Yeah, it's so crazy, man. Definitely. It's going to be a musical with Pharrell. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. That's been, <laughs> that's been the like the, 10 I years. the sky's <laughs> the limit for you. Yeah. You can do anything, man. Thanks, it's, bro. It's, you work so hard to get where you're at. I'm proud of you. And like, you feel like you're in a good place and family and everything. It's awesome, man. Yeah, 100, percent man. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, man. But you're not, you're not optimist, you. pessimist, optimist, or pessimist. Uh, super optimist. Super optimist. You always yeah. been like that, right? Yeah, I think that's how you make shit done. It's easy to be a pet. Like, it's not easy, but it's easy to do that. Yeah. Easy to see the negative. Totally. Yeah, I'm like, you are definitely an optimist. Yeah, <laughs> you've always been an optimist. Yeah, you've always believed in yourself. Yeah, and nobody, I think when nobody even else when no one else did. Yeah, I think that's important, man. Of like, don't listen. To, I'm so mad now about things I didn't do because of other people and their voices got in my head. Don't let motherfuckers get in your head. I don't share my writing with people, ever. I don't want your fucking input, right? Because it's just like a baby bird. I don't want something to come like, oh, it's like wing is weird, and like pull this off, and then they fucking pluck the fucking wings off this bird. Mm. Right, right. Let that shit fucking grow. Don't fuck other people's thoughts yeah fuck their things because we already have our own heads like when i go to write something i have every motherfucker i've ever met's voice in my head and why this sucks why i can't do this never mind my own yeah so get rid of everybody else's deal their own and just do it because whatever you're gonna do is gonna suck yeah you're gonna start a podcast it's gonna suck at first and mm -hmm. you're gonna find your feeding but you gotta fail 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 don't be afraid to fail love that Love that too. Any more questions for this wonderful man? I think off the uh, mic, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you inspire me because a long time ago you told me something. Whatever you eat bowls of peas, so I eat bowls of peas. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> because it's like a lot of protein. Protein, dude. Yeah, like a night, like a snack and shit. Yeah, you've I always you've always been like shape, always training yeah. your whole life, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's always a thing that like it's weird when you go on like dinners or meetings and stuff like that. And I just get like three bowls of peas. <laughs> <laughs> so you're still on that life. Yeah, it's like a power move. That's not, not really. <laughs> but but it is like, it is like it's such great protein. This for listeners. Yeah, for like, sure, man. Protein. Yeah, it's in everything, dude. That's uh, that's why I love when everyone's like, "Well, how do you get your protein?" Or all these other things that people dude. say. It's like oh, motherfucker, yeah. like look at you, this spindly or you're skinny and fat at the same time trying to tell me you're an alpha male because you eat animals other people fucking butchered for you facts you know what i mean oh, and then yeah. you're yeah. gonna be like there's like a great line in this about how you know we did it give it to ray mckinnon uh about what happens man you have this life man this animal is a life we have children think about this this thing yeah. is born and each thing is a miracle anyone who has kids you either are young and dumb 
and you just have a kid, yeah. right? Not saying Toby, but some people have them young, <laughs> right? You don't know better. It's beautiful. It's magical, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, or you're trying to do everybody. It's a fucking miracle. And that kid's a fucking Max is a miracle. You can't see him pointing to wherever he is right now. Yeah. But then you're trying, you're older, you're trying to do anything to make this miracle of life fucking happen. Yeah. And then that's the same thing with an animal. There's no fucking different. And then imagine that being taken away, fucking living for hell, whether it's months, years, days, whatever, and then slaughtered, it's next lit, and then put on a fucking plate, we're shipped away, put on a fucking plate to sit there for some asshole to fucking eat it, be like, oh, this tastes gross, and then shit it out later. Yeah. This fucking living soul is just been completely disregarded. It's fucking disgusting, but it's this fucking disgusting tragedy that happens every day where I'm sitting with these normal people who judge me of the things that I've done. I'm having dinner with them yeah. while I'm eating a bowl of peas, <laughs> <laughs> and they're eating a fucking steak right. of a fucking yeah. calf. You're mm -hmm. fucking, it's disgusting. It's interesting how that is, man. Yeah. But it's a beautiful world now with how plant-based, whatever, yep. vegans everywhere. There's so many options. People more conscious about what they're eating. It's like, we've, we've waited for this for so long. It's mm -hmm. true. From like the dry-ass Boca burgers to Impossible Burgers. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah, to yeah. everything, how it changes. Like, it's, it's really we're in true. a good spot, man. And you think it's that all LA, I've moved to LA, I think it's going to be so vegan, and it's not. Not right. just crazy, it's getting better, but like, there's so few vegans I know out here, and most of them are from our culture. Interesting. You know what I mean? Mm. That it's not what uh, I thought. Yeah, right, right. The stereotype right. is like, oh, vegan tofu, and it's like. You but know. you're right. It can definitely hit a lot stronger in the mainstream. Yes. Because yes. It, it really isn't there yet. And I always forget that too because I'm around a lot of yeah, yeah. alternative vegan. people. I'm like, oh, yeah. no, it's massive. And yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. Really. You know, it's in our circle. Wise, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah point, percentage right. wise. And I think that's something that I would like to see a, a lot more of hitting yeah. the mainstream. Yes, you know, for sure. People, you know, but. In time, you know, I've seen some plant-based commercials, though. Yeah. No, absolutely, like shit like that. Absolutely, and yeah. knowing that, like Taco Bell, I yeah, yeah. When people talk shit even on Impossible Meat, and I know it's super unhealthy for and all that, but that it's not meant for us, right? It's not, it's right. not meant for us. That's meant for everybody else. That's great. You don't, I don't. You're vegan. It's a great gateway. Yeah, it's a good intro. Exactly. It's a great intro. It's a great intro, man. Whenever right. someone eats that isn't eating a fucking something that didn't want to die, right? Fucking all about it. Mm -hmm. I was all about the Impossible when it came. I was going crazy yeah. on that shit. Then I realized. That it's not good for my stomach. But <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, me, that's yeah, me personally. Yeah, right. no, I, I think anything that's like done in excess is going to be. Yeah, totally. Really, but it really is a gateway for people to try vegan stuff instead of absolutely. trying like a dry ass burger we for had sure. in the nineties. This is an amazing are, option. 100%. Yeah. And, all, and whatever is in the Impossible Burger is way healthier for you than fucking actual meat, <laughs> actual red yeah. meat. Yeah. No matter what, you can people digest debate. it much quicker. Yeah. But there's a, you know, again, there's it's a powerful, you know. The meat industry is so powerful and yep. the propaganda and the money that they have to do that. So they're always battling. You know, they're the ones that yeah. are doing the things online. They're like, oh, impossible. It's yeah, really yeah, unhealthy. Yeah, yeah, all totally. Those it's so true, dude. Right? Yeah. Psyops, bro. Yeah. So true. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I feel like I can have you on some other time for a part two. We'll talk about yeah, for sure. Else, but this has been amazing. I knew it was going to be great. Fucking really appreciate your time. Yeah. Man. Thank you, man. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks for being so patient to make it happen. Dude, it's rad. It's been great. I'm man. glad we got to do it before you were out of town. Yeah, yeah me too. Awesome. Yeah. Me yeah. So he was so excited that. too, man. Yeah. yeah. We could do a whole episode just on the Mayans, but yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, Rad. No, thank you guys so much. I'm psyched. And thanks to, to Max man. for the shirtless uh cameo. <laughs> that was Jesus, great. Bro. Thanks, for that. thanks for Chappelle to coming to shit on my show. So yeah, it's been it's been all around just a fantastic experience. Um all right, thank you, Elgin. All right, thanks, guys. Peace. I always ask my guests if they have any regrets. I personally don't have any regrets. Even when it comes to my tattoos, I have the silliest tattoos. Even my ET on my leg, it's still a childhood memory for me, and I love it. I've had tattoos on top of tattoos strictly because I wanted more tattoos. I started getting tattoos when I was 18. I'm 52 now, and I can't stop. I've had laser treatment before on something on my arm. It's four tattoos on top of each other. 
And that experience at that place was pretty fast. It was pretty cold. It was in and out. Swipe the credit card. Don't really tell me much. Didn't give me much details or anything was going to happen. So I never went back. So as of most recently, I'm so lucky enough to have had two sessions at Removery Tattoo Removal. My tattoo on my arm that looks like a big black blob is now super light. I've had two sessions. I have a long road ahead of me. None of this stuff happens overnight. You cannot take a tattoo up in one sitting. You have to be patient. And it's painful. They ice you up. It's super fast. To me, it felt like a bunch of rubber bands. But what's more painful than that is looking at something on your body that you think you're stuck with for the rest of your life. That sucks. But now for me, I'm really happy I started this journey. I'm slowly going to get this tattoo removed. I never thought in a million years I have any kind of real estate on my arm. I don't even know what I want, but it's exciting. I'm so honored to announce that One Life, One Chance podcast is now with Removery. I have a code. Use TobyH20 and get $100 off your first session. Call 866-934-4570 or go to Removery.com. One of the most experienced tattoo remover companies in the world. Over 600,000 remover treatments done. 100 locations. U.S., Canada, and Australia. State-of-the-art peak-away laser technology. Cryotechnology to reduce any discomfort. This is so exciting for me because all I do on these podcasts is talk about tattoos. From day one, if you've been listening to this podcast, we talk about tattoos, talk about getting removed, talk about getting covered up. So this is such a perfect fit for me. Once again, go to removery.com or call 866-934-4570. Use my code TOBYH20 and get $100 off. These guys are located everywhere. Try it out.